This week, Zach Gandra is back to talk about life and Star Trek and society and everything in between. Here we go. Jesse Mercury. I'm recording not at home for the first time ever for the podcast. If I sound a little different, I'm actually using a portable recording device. So I just started doing video game streaming and I got this little $40 audio interface so that I could stream audio. And all of a sudden I find myself with a way to record podcasts away from home, which is very cool. It's just one channel. Uh, so so I can do me, but that's great because I just need to record an intro to this podcast and here it is, it's happening. The reason I'm not at home is because I'm doing a little staycation with Andy at her parents' place. Uh, She just got back from a month away. She was in New York for three weeks and then she was in Italy for a week and she just got back. And as soon as she got back, my mom had been in town and the three of us went down to Portland and met my new niece, Sayla. My sister Leah just gave birth. Uh, Leah and her husband Stephen gave birth to my niece, Sayla. So I am literally... Uncle Jesse now, which is awesome. I've been waiting my whole life to be Uncle Jesse. I've been waiting ever since I watched Full House to be Uncle Jesse, and now I am, and it's very cool. Having a niece is an amazing thing. Having a new baby in the family has never happened to me before, and that's just, it's just so, so wonderful, so exciting. Uh, And yeah, so Andy and I came back from Portland, and we finally had some time to ourselves. It's so goddamn hot up here in Seattle right now, so we decided to come to her parents' place like pack a big bunch of bags and bring guitars and computers and audio interfaces and my Nintendo. We just brought everything over here that we think we'll need for the next few days and are just hanging out and having an amazing time. And while we're here, it was very important to me to get a podcast out because I'm, you know, I'm trying to get them out as often as possible. I have this great conversation with Zach that I really couldn't wait to release. And so I'm trying this out. I'm trying this out with the the portable interface uh the portable audio interface we'll see how it sounds hopefully this sounds uh close enough to the normal sound of the show that it will not be problematic for you uh but this is cool for me i'm I'm like holding a microphone in my hand i usually put it on a microphone stand and have a pop filter and i'm just holding this shit because this is lo-fi my friends i'm i'm (laughs) i'm obsessed with audio quality and whether or not my show sounds good, I'm obsessed with audio quality and I try my damnedest to make it sound as good as possible. So me just stand, sitting here with a $40 interface and a like a $80 microphone in my hand <laughs> feels weird, but it's cool. I dig it. I dig it. So let's get into it. I bring to you now <laughs> Zach Gandra and myself talking about shit. Here we go. Well, Zach Gandra's back. Hey! We're back for another episode. We're back. We're going to talk about Star Trek this time. Yes, we are. We, um, uh, or sci-fi in general, but mainly Star Trek. I really want to talk about Star Trek. Okay, let's do Star Trek. So we took a little bathroom break Star after Trek's, recording yes. the episode that came out last week. Yep. And you commented on my Millennium Falcon, in which is bathroom. actually a Bluetooth speaker that's on really? my counter. Yeah. <laughs> So in the morning, I actually listened to like podcasts on a Millennium Falcon speaker. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, my dad gave it to me, and That's it fantastic. was one of those gifts. Like I get sci-fi gifts sometimes. Yeah, um, 
which is incredible. Like it yeah. makes me so happy because right. like everyone knows I love science fiction. So a lot of people give me gifts when they see something. Yes. Like my sister found this like prayer candle with Spock on it and oh it's fucking God, awesome. I would love that. And it's like on my shelf up there. That's the best. Yeah. That would, that makes both of my, my both, both of my past growing up. Is yeah, like, totally. Like you need one of these. With, I do <laughs> like falling in love with Star Trek and then religion in my past. Like those are the two combinations of the two things. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. Every time Miles puts his paw, uh, your dog he puts his paw on my leg and i just melt for a minute so i, I had know. to mention it it's like he's oh, so fantastic. he's the best and he's the when best. he calms down and he loves you it's like the greatest feeling in yeah. the world yeah. but he, but i get it right like he's he's a rescue puppy and he just he's got to feel comfortable i get it yeah totally he's like there's so many more humans that if we took the time to just do the same and allow them to go through that that they too would put their paw on us. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> if we just allow them to, we should all know? just be listening to dogs. Yeah, a dog would be a better president than Donald Trump. Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so Star Trek world. Yeah. Uh, oh, I okay. I have to. I have to finish this. Uh, this it. thought because when you when we took bathroom breaks, it became very apparent to me how much nerd shit is around my apartment. Because uh-huh. there's also the shower curtain that yeah. has Darth Vader and like yep. a little girl, and and a Darth Vader's holding an umbrella, and it's yeah. very creepy and weird. It kind of looks like a Monet. Yes. And then there's my robe that was the uh, oh, you have spot like the medical, the old school medical uniform. Yeah, basically the TOS. Spock, yeah, you know Spock. Uh, oh my God, a robe. Yeah, it's like a it's like an original series science uniform. Yeah. in a robe. That's fantastic. Uh, and then because of that, I had to show off. Yeah, what do you got? And I had to show you. Oh, that's um, right. My little phaser. So this is actually my prized possession. I'm sure I've talked about this on the show before, yeah. but I'm going to do it again because it's. I really want to tell you. Me. Yeah. Please. <laughs> uh, so it's literally like a cast mold of the original series phaser. Yeah. And what I mean, you've had this so how long? This is a talk about it. This is a well. You can hold it. Okay. I did, I, whenever I see it, I just want to touch it. This I is keep a prop to push the buttons. But it's, it's a like, prop from uh, an early season of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Oh, you're kidding! For a background extra. Shut up. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's why I wanted to wait to roll mics to to tell you. Yes. That. Oh my. god. Because I thought you might appreciate it. Oh, so here's yeah. here's the story. The show prop is amazing. Uh, I worked on this web series called Causality, and one of the writers is Michael Montour. Okay. He's a great guy. We actually went to the Doctor Who concert last okay. what am i saying star trek concert last year yeah uh when it was at the the paramount right it was incredible it was so cool i didn't go i need to go next time it comes around or something yeah. like that yeah so montour came to one of my birthday parties a couple years ago and he gave me a shirt that said what would jordy do like wwgd <laughs> with a picture of jordy's face yes and he gave me this and I've never been more flabbergasted by anything yeah. than that gift. I That's was like, amazing. I was like, I've known you for a short while, and like, you're a really you cool guy. Back. But like, but this this is like the most precious thing to me. In the I world, would freak you know? out of that as a gift, like an actual prop. Like when yeah. I went to uh, what used to be EMP here, but now it's called Mopop Museum yeah. of Pop Culture, and Paul Allen has a large Star Trek collection. Yeah. Um, it was great. Like I was like, Oh cool. How well, how great I get to see these. But the fact that I could touch the, the prop that you have makes such a big difference. Like you can't touch any of the stuff there. You can just right, see totally. it glass. Getting and, to hold something in your hand that is the exact size and shape of what you saw in the yeah. show is so powerful. And it's I feel like so it's cool. so much smaller than I yeah. felt like it was. And in it the looks show. like a piece of garbage. Like it does. It's like a little molded thing with shitty paint on it. Yes. Uh, so the story is that he bought it at a comic convention from someone who worked on the set. Okay. And it was like a background extras, like 
prop basically interesting um because the the real people had like metal phasers yes. and then the background extras would have these really cheap ones okay because you couldn't see them because mm-hmm. they were so far away that's right so it's uh supposedly one of those um i don't I, I don't know anything about how to, how to authenticate something like that. Yeah. So that is a story that my friend told me that I choose to believe. Sure. Uh, but this, the other the reason I choose to believe it is because the first time I saw it, when yep. he handed it to me, mm-hmm. and this is something I haven't mentioned on the show before. Yeah. I, I knew what it was instantly. I was like, oh my God, like original, like first couple seasons of Next Gen Phaser, the right. little tiny one. Right. I want to touch it. That yep. My first reaction was like, that is it. Yeah. And I felt... I felt like the presence of Star Trek totally on the item. I could feel it. Yeah. And he didn't even tell me what it was before. And I felt it when he held it up in front of me, cause yeah. he held it up to me and I had this moment where I was like, Oh my God, that's from Star Trek. Yeah. That's, that's real. Right. And before he told me what it was. So then he told me and I believed him because yeah. I felt the history of the device. Absolutely. And that's like an irrational thought that, uh, like I recognize the possibility that this is not actually from the show, but yeah. it doesn't matter to me because to me it Absolutely. represents being able to hold a piece of my childhood. Right. And that's all I need it for. Well, it's amazing though, too, is like from what I've seen and I've nerded out in props because I have, I have friends in LA. We have gone on the Universal tour and I've gone on all these different tours, not just Universal, but uh, the Warner Brothers tour was very fascinating to me because you actually get to see props. You actually almost get to touch them. You get to sit behind the desk of the West Wing. And, oh, cool. And, you're like, and I'm like <gasps> oh on the God. phone. I have a picture of myself like on the red phone, right? Oh, like, cool. And so it's like you get a little bit closer, way more yeah. closer than the Universal tour. I have pictures of myself on the bridge of the Enterprise. Oh, do you of really? The Enterprise D, the, the Vegas thing that used to be there. Oh, no way. Oh, I saw that actually. You're in the captain's chair. Yeah. And you well, have friends with you. Yes. Yeah, that's the one. Yes. I also have pictures of me on the original Enterprise bridge with uh, the real, really long hair. That's fantastic. In a Star Trek I shirt. I wore one. a Star Trek shirt to a Star Trek museum nice. in San Diego. And I met Mike Okuda that day. Really? Yeah. What? My friend worked at the museum, so he brought me to the preview day, and Mike Okuda was there. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay, that was all long-winded preamble, because yeah. what I want to talk to you about is... I want to know like your connection to sci-fi from childhood and how it kind of shapes you now Yeah, in the way that like touching this thing means so much to me. It's because of like decades of loving Star Trek, the next generation. That's like my core show. That's the thing that makes me tick. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really fascinated to know what, what sci-fi is like that for you. Like what's deep inside of you that informs how you see the world. And if it's Star Trek, I want to fucking talk about Star Trek. Well, (laughs) yes. I mean, I'm old enough because I'm 40 that I remember going to the movie theater, uh, for the return of the Jedi for Star Wars. So I actually remember going to a theater. I don't remember when I first star Star Wars. I don't remember when I was introduced to it, but I remember going to see return of the Jedi. Wow. And then, Return of the Jedi was kind of like what struck the trajectory and the toys that I got. And I started getting Return of the Jedi toys and Ewoks and yeah. all of that shit. And then the Ewok movie came out and I was kind of like, this is dumb, but, yeah. Wick, but Wicket's in it, you know, and Wicket's right. fucking cool. But this little, <laughs> this little girl we could totally do without. Like, I remember thinking that as a kid. I like, had every, every single thing you just said, yeah. I could have said, nice. except for seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater and it would have been exactly the yeah, same. That's yeah, that's amazing. So yeah, I'm really, really, really into Star Wars as well. But yeah. that's like, it's like my secondary because the prequels yeah, it's are, secondary. Are so to me upsetting too. that I yep. can't. I can't have it be as high as Star Trek in I just, my personal I, estimation. I don't have. <laughs> it's a sin that can never be Let forgiven. Me say this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a religious connection with Star Wars. Yeah, I have a religious connection to Star Trek. Yeah, and me too. Me too. when I, I think it was when I was in high school, I fell in love with the Next Generation because I would go to my friend Ian's house. 
and we would like just chill or we'd smoke pot and chill. And basically we would end up watching the next generation. Nice. And by that time that was in the nineties. So it was a re it was like reruns. Like I actually never saw the original as they came out show. I fell in love with the reruns in the nineties as they oh, replayed. About how old were you? Did you say? I was probably 15. Cool. Like sophomore in high school somewhere, like probably and then 15. How old would you have been when return of the Jedi came out? Uh, young. I was born in 77, so Return of the Jedi came out when you remember, I don't remember. It was uh, in the 80s. The first Star Wars is 77, the second Empire, I think is, is it 1980s? I think 83 or 84 yeah. for Return of the Jedi? Yeah. So I I was young, like I moved to I Seattle 83, when I was because I was born in 84 and I remember thinking I wasn't even born when Return of the Jedi came out and that made right. me sad because yeah. I wanted to see it in the theater. <laughs> Yeah. So I moved to Seattle when I was six. So I lived in Oklahoma at the time when Return of the Jedi came out. And uh-huh. I, I do remember going to the theater and being mesmerized by the posters and being so excited to go. Oh, but yeah. But that's all I remember. I remember the feeling and the vibe and yeah. the excitement. But that was it. And the toys that I had. And yeah. There, thereafter. Can you tell me more about feeling a religious connection to Star Trek versus Star Wars? Because I actually feel yeah. one to both, but in okay. like really different ways. Yeah. I actually, we I just did an episode about. Star Wars A New Hope episode four and talked about how my view of God and the universe is so wrapped up in the force uh-huh. and that that's like very foundational to me. Yeah. But that's like, that's where my religious connection to Star Wars is. Right. If you want to use those words. Absolutely. Um, but then like the prequels are so far away from it that it kind of shatters the whole thing and yeah. in a frustrating way, but I still am like connected to those originals. Yeah. But, like all of Star Trek even though some of it sucks, right. it's all part of one thing to me. Like even mm-hmm. Voyager, which is my least favorite Star Trek, is still like worlds better than the prequels, and I enjoy right. it so much more. Yep. Um, like Star Trek has never gone below a a line where I can't accept what it's done, except for like yeah. maybe when uh, uh, maybe when Captain Janeway and Tom Paris had sex as newts and had newt babies. <laughs> After they went past warp 10, maybe that, right. or maybe when Beverly fucks a ghost, but right. besides those two, I mean, there's some nonsense in the original series, but of it, course, you know, stuff that doesn't like yeah. break the world and make you want to leave it forever yeah. where the prequels kind of did that for me. Yeah. And absolutely. that was also like a crisis of faith moment for me. Totally. But so, so what I want to know what you, what you mean so for by me, that. Christianity as a whole coming, being used, used to being a Christian, that whole thing. Yeah really sided with star Wars. Like everybody was into the force. Like the force was the Holy spirit and the power of the Holy spirit was the force and like all of that shit and the good versus evil and the devil versus, you know, that is like life changing information. Yeah. That's Christianity really like a lot of Christian people really enjoy raising their kids and having their kids see star, star Wars. Wow. What connected me to star Trek was captains and their interaction with everybody else on board and the community that was on board of and the interactions between that community, but especially them doing the exploration of the universe together. Yeah. Like, I got really pissed when Deep Space Nine came out, and I was like, what the fuck? They're on a star? Like, uh, they're on a space. They're on a space base or whatever it's called, <laughs> yeah. like a star base. <laughs> totally. And they don't go anywhere. Like, the first season, I'm like, they don't, they don't go anywhere. Like, my right. next tattoo, I want to be the Defiant on my other arm. Um, and it's very similar to the first Enterprise that I have over here. Yeah. But I want the Defiant over here just because I love the fucking Defiant. I fucking love the Defiant. That's the best. It's so great. Yeah. I, it was like a it was like a reward for sticking with Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's like, all right, you're with us now. They're finally off the like, base. You understand that we are doing something different with this Star Trek, so now we can do yeah. whatever we want. Yeah. Because like the rule at the beginning was mm-hmm. 
that they didn't travel. Right. You come to us. We oh, don't yeah. go to you. Yeah. Uh, the Defiant was like such a turning point, and it's also kind of a representation of how the show started to serialize more and more. And yes. you can no longer wait for the action to come to you because you have to go to it because yeah. the action is becoming so. Uh, complex yep. we're no longer experiencing like one week at a time adventures right uh yeah though i feel like the defiant is such a huge part of why deep space nine mm-hmm. is fucking great mm-hmm. you know as a ride as yep. an experience yep the show is so satisfying well not only that all of a sudden you see this interaction of the federation with the romulans and the sharing of technology yeah and the cloaking now the federation can cloak this is fucking great <laughs> it's a fake yeah, it's like they, <laughs> yeah exactly but then the whole thing of like oh shit now they're going through the wormhole yeah and we get to see what's on the other side of the wormhole oh my god i like, love that like that was so exciting to me and star wars just never did that there was no exploration in star wars there was yeah. just there was basically this ongoing war between the anarchist and the corporate control. <laughs> like that's yeah. how I look at Star Wars now. Totally, it's like the rebellion versus the empire. It's like yeah. it's like uh, the you know it's like Bernie Sanders versus Trump. You know, it's like that's the Star Wars thing to me. And I just it just never I never it, I never attach myself to it. Yeah, like, you, I think what I love about Star Wars and why mm-hmm. it makes me so happy that uh, you were saying that Christians. Appreciate yeah. it, yeah. Christians uh, really appreciate it because I know Christians actually dis- have a distaste for Star Trek because mm-hmm. it, it pre- presents a post-religion society. It does, yeah. Yep. But anyway, uh, that's why I love well, it. <laughs> I know I love it too. It's like reason will prevail. Yeah, like on but Always Sunny. as a Christian, I loved it too. So that's yeah. kind of weird. Well, what I love about Star Wars is that it, the message of it is that if you have like good intentions in your heart mm-hmm. and you have like a a willingness to accept that there are things in the world that are bigger than you, then mm-hmm. you can achieve good things. Yeah. I think that's like it. That's good. And I that's think great. that that is brilliant and mm-hmm. wonderful and beautiful. And I take it with me all the time. Yep. Uh, but that's like a big part of myself yeah. as a fan and as a nerd. But right. then all the rest of it is like, well, most of the rest of it is filled in with Star Trek, yes. you know, where well, that's the thing it, is it like just I, forms how I look at everything yes. at all sci-fi and at all people and at all cities and at all like relationships. Exactly. Just like at the core of how I want, what I know that we're capable of and how I want us to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, Star Trek kind of the fiction of Star Trek kind of also follows the tension of humanity at the time that it came Absolutely. out. And totally. Star Wars doesn't do that. No. Yeah. Like at all. Yeah. So, like Enterprise addressed nine 11. Yes. Enterprise did a whole season of like, what if the nine 11 terrorist attackers were an alien species mm-hmm. and they just showed up on earth and like there was a massive terrorist attack right. from strangers and then they just skedaddled yep. and the whole next season is our crew who are explorers becoming more and more militant as they hunt these people down for revenge right and it's one of the greatest things Star Trek's ever done. I don't yeah. give a shit what anyone says. It point. is wonderful. Like yeah. it's except for the theme song. We've fucked that theme song. Yeah, I hate it so, so much. Horrible. But like season three, the Zindi arc of Star oh, Trek. Yeah, it's great. I, it's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whenever anyone tells me that um, any so other good. season from season three is their favorite, yeah. I get surprised because to me it was like so much better. Yeah. But I love the show, yep. and I feel like season four is amazing, and I love that people love that season, Absolutely. you know, yep. but to me, like season three was amazing. Yep. And I have a lot of friends that are big Trekkies that hate it. Really? Yeah. That just thought that it totally derailed the show. But I felt like that was the moment where humanity found its soul, yeah. you know, for the Star Trek universe. Do you know what allowed me or gave me permission or the okay to like enterprise hmm. is cause I, as a, I was in, I've always been a huge quantum leap fan. Yeah. And so like loving quantum leap and I'm sorry, what's his name? The actor. 
Scott Bakula. Yeah, thank you. I kept wanting to say Scott Bale. Um, <laughs> that would be a I, very I, different show. I told you. I told you before. I was like, I'm not good with names of everybody. But That's yeah, good. Scott Bakula. Like, I fucking loved Quantum Leap. I still yeah. love Quantum Leap. I think Quantum Leap, in many ways, addresses a lot of the great things that Star Trek addresses, like race and racism. And and now you're a white man in a black woman's body and in her life and experiencing oh, yeah. what she's going through. Good point. Yeah. Like, that's so fucking beautiful. Like, that's yeah. what we all need to do to be able to understand each other. Yeah. And that's what Star Trek does well, right? Is, Just thrust you in the middle of a society that you haven't been in before. Yes. And the prime yeah. directive is is so beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Right? It's like... Let's not fuck with them. Let's not be America bringing yeah. our democracy to them because we think it's better. Yeah. Like the Federation is rad because it's a number of races brought in together in one group, which is fantastic and beautiful. Yeah. And you'd think they'd have this idea that we've got the shit and we want to give it to you, but they don't. It's like, no, we value your culture and what you're going through in your experience. Yeah. And they, and they all believe this trajectory that everyone will probably end up like them. Like they'll want to join the Federation. They'll kind of, but it's on their own terms and on yeah. their, and it's okay if they don't. It seems like if you get up out mm-hmm. of your own planet, yeah. like if you, if you stand up for the first time and see what's above mm-hmm. the clouds, yes. then it, the most logical thing to do is to learn what's happening there before you yes. try to take it over. Ugh. So I, and I feel like the Federation is kind of a, a big collection of people who want to know each other. Right. And that's as simple as it is. And I think about, we were talking about world government in yeah. what is now the last episode. Right. <laughs> um, and I feel like, uh, what if we applied the prime directive to a world government? What if yeah. there was like a policy of non-interference? I think that's great. And the policy and the, and the policing of individual nations. Yeah. And, but there was someone who was above that, who we were accountable to. So we have to fix the environment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, I, I don't, I don't, be, I don't believe in any form of government. I don't believe in like socialism or yeah. uh, free market or yeah. I don't believe in any of it. Capitalism. I don't right. believe in sure. like, I, I don't, I can't think of a sing, single yeah. thing that I believe it's in. It's all, they're all limiting to yeah. a point. So, exactly. Yeah. Except for the prime directive. Right. Because the prime directive leaves it open yeah. to, to everyone to do what they need to do yes. to either thrive or not. But having the chance to thrive or not is what makes you what you are. And if you don't get to go through that, then you become something else. And more often than not, that something else is more negative than where you would have gone. Wow. Because if, if we interfere in your society, we like inject this fear of God yeah. or you see God for the first time, you think it's us. Like the, yep. it will be passed down in a way that uh, irrevocably changes the society. Mm-hmm. And we see that play out mm-hmm. uh, in like who watches the watchers. Right. And they have to find a way to deal with it without yeah. affecting the culture because right the policy of non-interference forces you to respect other people. Yeah. And I think that's like at the root of it is that it forces you to listen and respect. Yeah. And I just had a major wow moment. Hit me. In, in you sharing that because I never realized, like, of course, everybody that heard the last podcast knows that my podcast is, is called Losing Our Religion. And you, you hear the trajectory of where that is with my life. I now realize that I am living out my life in such a way as the prime directive. Yeah, me too. I really am. Totally. I never thought that until just now. I've never put it in those terms, but like that instantly rings true with me. And it's so funny. And it it was easy for me to do with people outside of me. And now, uh, probably in this moment and who I am right now and what I'm dealing with right now as a 40-year-old man who's been married for 16 years, and I've been questioning my relationship with my wife and our 
marriage as a whole right now, and this is open conversation. Like it's she, we, her and I are talking about it. I'm talking about it in therapy, and I'm now realizing like I have not brought the prime. I have never brought the prime directive into my own marriage. Wow! In such a way that although I did with everybody outside of my life, those that were closest to me, I held these expectations of how they needed to be. Yeah. Instead of just allowing them to be. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I feel like I've been going through the slow change of that over the years. Huh. And a big part of it was because I disappointed myself by getting sick. You yeah. know, getting Lyme disease was like such, mostly the big one I had like eight years ago yeah. when I didn't know what it was and I was just sick for a year and it was yeah. unexplained. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no way to know that it's not an emotional problem because that's what they all tell you it is. Right. And I just had to kind of hold on to myself Fuck. and say like, it's not an emotional problem. I know yeah. what emotional problems feel like. This right. is external and this hurts right. and I need help with it. Yeah. And if these doctors don't see that, then they're not worth talking to. Yeah. But it's so hard to hold on to that when doctors are telling you otherwise constantly. That's so and huge, man. Yeah. It took so long to find someone who listened right. um, and reacted. And I feel like, she was the first doctor who was kind of like a prime directive doctor, you know, like she just opened herself to what I was saying and then applied it to herself as if it was her, I guess. Cause I think that's what the prime directive does is like, look at our society. That's what compassion does. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a gut check for compassion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's fantastic. And it's interesting because I kept thinking about this last episode as you were talking, I have a friend with CFS. It's Chronic fatigue syndrome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very similar to your experience yeah. where doctors are just, well, there's nothing wrong with you. We can't find anything wrong with you. Yeah. But then he finally runs across a doctor who's like, no, you have CFS. Like, Yeah, totally. I actually the- was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Really? Okay. Um, which is what scares me about CFS is because I'm scared that some people might have Lyme disease and not know it because right. uh, that was true. talked about with me. Yeah. yeah. And the Lyme disease tests are not read correctly right. by the CDC. And yep. I did a whole episode about that because yeah. I, 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 <laughs> I'm... I'm not like a, I'm never going to be an advocate for right. anything other than my own creativity. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to get the word out there about the fact that Lyme disease Absolutely. is being misdiagnosed constantly as someone who has it, who was misdiagnosed for right. upwards of 23 years. Right. Um, like that's a big deal. And this, and this is a big issue that we see in Star Trek and in life, which I think you you talking about it is so it relates to fucking Star Trek. Yeah, I feel totally. like everything does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that being said is like, the difference being is is in Star Trek, you like next generation. You see Beverly Crusher, uh, like dealing with an alien race that she's unfamiliar with, and yeah. she's like, "I'm just unfamiliar with this, you know, uh, their autonomy or what's it called, anatomy. Sorry, uh, their anatomy. I'm unfamiliar with this, and it's on. It's it's instantly instead of. I know what, like the American medical system and the doctors are so arrogant. (laughs) They're like, well, this is probably the spleen. And I think this is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and here's what it is. And here's what it's like that. I just watched an episode on, on TNG recently where they're on this planet and data has an accident and he doesn't remember who he is. And he's got the radioactive box of uh, radioactive rocks. Yes. Right. And you remember the doctor from that planet and she just fucking, she's so arrogant. She keeps making up all of this shit that she's teaching everyone. Right. 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 But she doesn't actually know. And she doesn't know how to do the research or to do the research. Sometimes the loudest, most insistent voices are the most incorrect. And what's funny is in America, our society values the loudest voice. Yeah. Wait, we don't, we don't value what we should value. Yeah. What is the voice even saying? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
I'm like really interested in what you said about applying the prime directive to your relationship. Yeah. Because I just started dating uh, my girlfriend, Andy, about okay. six months ago. She's mm-hmm. been on the show a couple of times. Yeah. So people know her and she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is the first relationship I've ever approached with the thought in mind of giving her all of her space, uh-huh. you know, like yeah. uh, whatever space we share is amazing, but, but all of it is hers by default, mm-hmm. you know, and any, any of her space that I get, I'm lucky to have. Yeah. Uh, because that, just as a way of kind of checking myself, you know, yeah. and that's very much the prime directive. And I never really thought of it that yeah. way, but I feel like she kind of approached the relationship the same way, which is why it's been working so well for mm-hmm. the last six months. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm experiencing this sort of interlocking of a relationship that yeah. I've, that is just so great on every level. Right. Um, which is something that I, you know, don't hear talked about and you don't like really see, um, and to this degree, I've never quite experienced before and right. it's very cool and very exciting. And I feel like applying that sort of, you know, let you be you and have the space you need to be you yeah. so that we can come together better yep. a- attitude is the reason why that's happening. Absolutely. And I think number one, that is extremely difficult to do. It's yeah. not easy. Especially over time. And that's, Ugh. that's what I'm scared of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jen and I have been through every possible thing you can think of, of other than infidelity of why we should have had a divorce. I had a major illness. Like people get divorced when they're married and one of the spouses has a major illness. Yeah. For two years, Jen did nothing but take care of me. And then I get a transplant and I'm healthy like that. Wow. And all of a sudden she's not taking care of me and her whole life for two years has been taking care of me. Yeah. And I've got all this energy and I'm like, fuck it, let's go. Bam. And I'm like, back to, <laughs> I was like, holy shit. It was like having a second life and I uh, have all this energy. And you're so freaking she, me out. Cause this is my, this is my path right now. Yeah. With Andy is like, yeah. she's had to take care of me a lot. Right. And as I, like her seeing me on an energetic day is rare and really exciting and fun. Yep. But she also doesn't know that side of me because like I'm completely out of touch with it. Yeah. So I don't even know that side of me anymore. Right. And it's going to change when it comes back. And th- there's just no predicting for that, yes. you know, but that's like a fundamental change. Yep. So I'm sorry, but please keep no, talking. I'm and just so, riveted to what you're saying. But that's, <laughs> it's so huge. And then, so then uh, statistics say we should have got a divorce because of that. And then after that, then I go through a major existential life crisis where I question religion. I question everything. I leave. I remember coming home um, from the day I knew that we were supposed to leave the church and the whole life, which meant for me leaving more than six figures a year, yeah. leaving everything we knew, leaving, leaving every relationship. And we made it through that. That's another statistic thing of like major yeah, life change. That's incredible. Why you have a divorce. Right. And then uh, her mom dies. And her mom is, she's like fourth generation single mom daughter. So no other extended family. Mm -hmm. She has no family. And her mom dies. Her whole world dies. And then she gets officially um, diagnosed with anxiety and depression. She becomes medicated. I don't know how to fucking handle it. Yeah. It's not as simple as kidney failure. The doctor tells you, like, "Do, do this, do this, do this, and you'll be good. Mental illness is a whole nother thing that is, there is no prescribed top 10 list of what you should do as a spouse to help somebody through mental illness. And so we've gone through that and it's been, it's continuing to be a challenge and, and really hard. Yeah. Um, and then I go through this whole thing and this is the most recent, whereas I'm like, why did we get married? I hit 40 and I start having a midlife crisis and I'm like, why did we get married? We got married. We got kind of pushed in religion, pushed us into this. Like we got married really fast. Like 
we met, we dated for six months, then we got engaged, and we are engaged for six months, and then we got married. So it was a whole year. We didn't even know each other when we got married, but I got a lot of pressure from the church being a higher-up pastor that they were nervous about me having sex and all of this other shit. And we basically were just not vaginal or anal penetration. It was everything else. (laughs) Um, But so then, then all of a sudden I'm now 40 and I'm like through this process of like deconstructing my faith and losing religion. And so now I'm questioning this and I'm six weeks into therapy and the therapy has helped me realize that I don't want to divorce and that we're we I do want to be together with her, and um and then what I feel like for the first time I'm in this Riker Picard moment, <laughs> right? Like Riker, they kept trying to promote Riker. Yeah, they kept wanting him to be a captain. He he's capable. He's a wonderful leader. He's a fantastic fucking guy. And they the Federation wants to continue to promote him to have his own ship, and he keeps denying it because he's got this partnership with Picard that is so beautiful and so wonderful that he doesn't need his own thing yeah. because the partnership he has and what he's having right now is so amazing. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. Like I'm starting to realize this partnership I have, this 16 year partnership that I have. And in a sense, yes, I'm starting over, but we can also do that together. Yeah. Totally. Like there's a way of starting over together where I'm this adventurous journey type extrovert person. And she's this introvert like, I don't know if I'm okay with her. I really want yeah. to do that. You if know? anything, it's like you get to rediscover each other. Exactly. You get to go back through dating and, and learn each other. Way. And yeah. I mean, what better person to do that with than with your partner of the last right. 16 years? That's, That's going to be exciting. And Picard and like, yeah, it is exciting. And I'm, yeah. I'm newly excited about it. I'm That's finally, so cool. like, I love that. This is in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So I'm newly excited about that new adventure together and we'll just yeah. see where it goes. Like it's no so pressure, cool. no whatever. Like there's no religious pressure now. We don't have to stay together. Yeah. But I do. And this is the first time I've thought of it in Star Trek terms, but it is a Riker Picard moment. <laughs> like, could we split up and we be okay? Sure. Yeah. But look at all the shit we've gone through. Miles is choking on him. Miles, are you okay, buddy? He's got a heart murmur. He's been coughing a lot. Oh, yeah. I have a heart murmur too. And all sorts of problems, Miles. I totally <laughs> understand. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the, yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. you've gone through all this shit with someone. They know how each other thinks. Yeah. And and even though we have our, our issues, it makes sense. Like, yeah. we're better together than we probably are separate. We could yeah. do it. We'd both be strong enough. It could be fine. And but, being together means whatever you want it to mean. And yeah. you can expand or contract that to be whatever it needs to be Absolutely. to changing situations. Yes. Uh, that's something that Andy and I have talked about a lot. Because yeah. that's just a value that we share. Right. Um, we just have, I mean, we're at the beginning of a relationship, mm-hmm. but we have very similar values as to what a relationship should be. Mm-hmm. And we've had a lot of discussions recently about what makes a, a good, healthy relationship. Right. Which is how I know I'm in a good, healthy relationship exactly. is because ground rules are, or not ground rules, but like a, yeah. a foundation of dialogue is being established exactly. about how to be in what we're in. The fact that you're talking about it yeah. is massive. Yeah. It's really cool. And yeah. it's fun because like, it's just kind of, I mean, we're both very creative people, so it's stuff like what if we did this magical thing together or what if we did this <laughs> right. magical That's incredible awesome. fun thing or what if we worked on this together and yeah. uh kind of overlapped our art with each other like yes. i'm actually mixing and mastering some of her music right now nice and it's sounding awesome and i'm really excited to be working on it um yeah so we're like i don't know it's but my theory of of a good relationship is one that expands and contracts over yeah. time yeah where where the being together is 
just su- it's such a level up than the being apart yeah. that the difficulty of being together doesn't even uh, really affect you know your desire to be together right because you're already leveled up yep and that's that's the relationship that I want to be in so yeah. um, I feel like she feels the same way and we're like building that together it's yeah. very exciting that's amazing like. Yeah. And the, uh, I wish I, I had this mental set for relationships and marriage in particular growing up. I don't know why or if I got it from the church or whatever I got it from. This idea that everything we do, we have to do it together. Oh, yeah, yeah, you totally. Know? And it's like, that's I, a, it's I a feel, weird romantic idea that I think is unhealthy. Is. Yeah, yeah, it's totally unhealthy. And, yeah. it, and I think what you verbalized it in a much better way is like, I do my thing, she does her thing, and we come together and we're yeah. communicating on where we come together. Yeah. Like, that's fantastic. And I was always looking for these organic things of how we come together, right? It's like, why don't we ever come together? Even my therapist goes, you guys have nothing in common. Wow. He goes, the only thing you guys have in common is pain. Whoa. And he's like, and he goes, you, but you can start from there. You have pain yeah. in common. <laughs> Crazy. That's interesting. Like, we're just very different people. Yeah. So I just want the podcast listeners to know that they are now hearing Miles pant. Yes. Which is a, a good thing. He seems excited. In a good He's way. getting an ear scratch. He He's really likes a it. Solid ear scratch. What do you say, Miles? So oh, let, then he stops. Of course. Can I bring up uh, Star Trek romantic relationships for a minute? Absolutely. Okay. Please do. <laughs> so one of the things that was always challenging for me, looking at Jean Luc Picard, uh-huh. was he always had to hold this persona as captain, where he couldn't be human in so many respects. Yeah. And I connected with that as a former pastor because being a pastor is very similar. Like you can't be so human in front of everybody. You have to kind of hold yourself back. And that's something that Picard imposes on himself because Cisco doesn't do it. Kirk doesn't doesn't do it. No, Kirk Uh, fucks Archer doesn't do it. Yeah. Janeway does it, I think. She does. Yeah. Absolutely. To her her credit, she's fucking badass. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in all honesty, when, when I first started watching Voyager, I didn't know if I could handle a female captain. Are you really? Yes. Oh, I struggled with it. If I had water in my mouth, I would have done the spit take. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. Please unpack that okay. for me. So it was like, I don't know. It was just like, I was used. I had, I mean, my introduction to uh, Star Trek was the next generation. Uh-huh. And then I, I then went towards, you know, the original series. And then all of a sudden Voyager comes out. What, what happened first, Voyager or Deep Space Nine? I can't remember. Deep Space Nine. Okay, but I think I actually watched them in reverse. Yeah, I, think I did I actually, too, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Just because uh, Deep Space Nine was too complex to me yeah. as a kid, so I came back to it when I got Inter- to Yeah, there school. you go. Me too. Yeah. Um, so I came back to it after that. Uh, but it was tough because I was like, huh. I, had, I I think even back then, and I said this in the last episode, even, even even back then I looked at Picard and I was like, I'd follow that guy. Yeah. You know? I'd, so then you want to be like him. Yes. Right? Like, yeah. I want to be like him. Totally. And then they brought Janeway in and I'm like, ugh. Huh. And it wasn't like gross. I don't mean like, ew. I just mean like, I don't think I'm going to like this. Okay. Imagine that you're a girl. Yeah. Hearing what I'm saying. No, 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 oh, no. Okay. Just imagine that you're a girl and yeah. you... uh. And like your experience with Janeway is reversed where mm-hmm. you're like, I've never seen a woman in charge before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Cause yeah. I could achieve yes. and I've never seen it before. Yeah. Uh, and then think about how infrequent it is yep. that our reaction is to be surprised that there's a female captain. Yep. And like, I feel like then you start to understand uh, like the point of view of over, over half of the population. Right. And isn't that fucking crazy? Yeah. That like there is over like a segment of our society that is over half to yeah. my understanding. Like yeah. there's over 50% women. Right. And 
they're not represented anywhere even close to 50%. Yeah. Even now. Absolutely. I mean, we've they're made so not. much progress yep. and it's still like, it's a shock that Wonder Woman is a smash. You know, yeah. it's a shock that it's the most money ever made by a female director. Right. Uh, the fact that it's a shock means that like w- everything that women are telling you about feminism is yes. true. Yes, you know, absolutely. Like listen to pe- women talking about feminism. Yep. Cause they know what they're talking about and yep. it's true. Yeah. That's my little. And rant. what's funny is I'm, I'm in agreement with all that. And then as I just, okay, I was like, I just kept watching Voyager because of Star Trek and I fall in love. Yeah. And then I'm like, Janeway's the shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck yes. Like yeah. it, it probably actually helped me process all that in myself growing up going, this isn't about a woman being in leadership. This yeah. is about a woman actually being a leader. Totally. If you have one impression, cause you're a kid yeah, and kids are very impressionable. Yes. And cause there's no representation right. of good female leaders, then you won't know they exist and you'll have to be told they exist later. Right. And I yeah. feel like that was kind of a thing that Star Trek did with Voyager. Yeah. And for everything I dislike about Voyager, which is a very long list. Yeah. The thing I, the thing that, I think holds through the whole time is that Janeway's a great character. Yeah. She is. She's the, she's a, the anchor of that and the whole thing. Totally. Yeah. She's a complex, interesting, strong woman who's very smart yep. and has to deal with some like intense situations mm-hmm. and always handles her shit. Yep. In a part of space where there are a few rules, it's more important than ever that we hold fast to our own. In a region where shifting allegiances are commonplace, we have to have something stable to rely on. And we do. The principles and ideals of the Federation. As far as I'm concerned, those are the best allies we could have. If I could ever write like a sci-fi trilogy, everyone would be like gender fluid. Interesting. Or everyone would be uh, just open to whatever. Sure. I consider myself individual sexual. Yeah. Where I'm attracted to individuals. Okay. And that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Right. uh, Because I've seen it in all shapes and forms and genders. Yes. Um. So, yeah, I feel like I'm just open to whatever comes my way. Right. And when something fits, I, I pursue it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's a cool way to be. I like it. It yeah. served me like very well. Well, I think it's, I agree. I think as a life choice, that is, I mean, if I take sex aside, I've just never been sexually attracted to a man. Yeah. I've been affectionate. Like I, I am, I, you know, when I joked earlier, I think last episode was like, I'm in love with Jesse. Like I am in yeah. love with you. I'm in love with our conversations. I'm in love with the vibe that yeah. we have, but you're not going to be sucking my dick at the end. I of this don't want to suck your dick. And there's nothing. I would honestly prefer like, if you didn't to be <laughs> totally honest. And, <laughs> and I'm, I let, I have no affection for anal. So yeah. like even in my heterosexual marriage, neither one of us are into anal. I but, just, we're not it. We're, that's not us being, but. Being attracted to a man is not about wanting to do anal. Yeah. And being true. attracted to a man is not about whether or not you want their dick in your mouth right now. Sure. Being attracted to a man is about like seeing the spark of something that you find sexy in another person yeah. and trying to get to know that person yeah, 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 yeah. for who they are. Sure. And that's, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's only happened with a few men, but yeah. it's happened with like, I don't know, a very high percentage of women, mm-hmm. but I'm not comfortable calling myself you know, straight. Sure. Because I feel like the need to label myself straight is offensive to my experience because uh, my experience runs the that's, gamut. That's the key. Even I though think. it's like so far to one side, it still mm-hmm. ran the gamut into, you know, and my respect for and appreciation and fond memories of those right. experiences are very important to me. Right. You know, like I did, I mean, I had a day where, you know, 
I had a very gay day. Yeah. <laughs> where I'm like, I'm just, just gonna, one. I'm going for it today. All right. Uh, <laughs> like to, to the, I had to like push myself to know yeah. who I was yeah. in that moment. Yep. But it, only, only one day because after that, I was like, that doesn't, that word means nothing to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like this is just attraction. Yes. And the physicality of it yeah. is an expression of attraction. Yeah. And if you are attracted to someone and you want to suck their dick, right. fucking do it. You right. know, well, with their permission, sure. please. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, you don't know if you like something until you've tried it. Yeah. So for me, I had to try being with men to know sure. if I liked it. Yeah. And what I discovered was I did like it, yeah. you know? And I, it wasn't like, it's not that, it's not like a horrifying and terrifying and unpleasant. It's sure. like sexy and fun. Right. You, you're like fucking around with someone who's into you. Like, who cares what they've got? Interesting. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't like, and I, I look at, I've looked at gay porn and I do yeah. from time to time, but like a majority of my interest is in women right. and I spend like a majority of my porn time with women sure. and a majority of my dating time with women. And it's a large majority. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I feel like it's because I'm attracted to a certain feminine right. quality. Yeah. And I think that I found that more often in women than in men. But if I find it in a man, I'm like, fuck yeah, Ooh. let me, let me get a piece of that. Nice. <laughs> let me try that on for size. <laughs> Uh, but it's, well, I think it's commendable. Thank you. Like, but it's I, weird. Cause like, I never, I never had to come out, you know, yeah. because I've never, uh, I've only been on like a couple of dates where I could have been seen holding hands with sure, a man, you sure. know, it's not yeah. something that's like, I think maybe three. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's just never something that I was ever questioned about. Right. right. So I like to talk about it because people don't ask. And right. I feel like, uh, my my view of it is very prime directive. It's yes. very like everyone do your thing. Yeah. Everyone do your own thing. Figure out who you are. Find someone who who complements that, and you will be fucking wonderful together. Yeah, you know, I'm in total agreement. I just know that I also have watched gay porn, <laughs> and and it does not arouse me to the least. Yeah, it's intriguing. It, it's fun. You know, to watch. it didn't start to arouse me until after I had an experience with a man. Really? Yeah. So that's what I was gonna say. Is like I think experience is such a huge thing totally because we all you can believe whatever you want you can think whatever you want but what you experience really frames our viewpoints a thousand percent an amazing way and yeah. that's why you know sorry i'm bringing it back to star trek oh please do that's, that's all why, i want that's why, ever is for every okay. conversation to weave in and out of star, star trek, trek <laughs> is beautiful to me and star wars is like Meh. oh yeah it's because cool. star trek is always interweaving this need for us to experience what somebody else is going through. Absolutely. It's it's throughout the thread of every fucking show of every episode of all the series of totally. Star Trek. Uh, 100%. It's the yeah. tension that drives the show. Absolutely. And that's th why there's no interpersonal conflict is because yes, that is the tension that drives the show. That is the tension that drives the show. And you don't need the interpersonal you know? conflict. And I had the hardest time with Janeway bringing a Borg on board. Hmm. Like I struggled with that and her whole need to give life to this Borg member that was fucking hot, by the way, and we all would agree, gay or straight. Uh, she was fuck that this. I, what was her name? The Borg Seven of Nine. Yeah, oh my God, Seven or Nine. Seven was fucking hot. We all still we all think she's hot. She'll be hot forever. Yeah, my, um, I'm infinitely frustrated that 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 character was presented that way because yeah. it boiled her down to that. Interesting. That's how she's remembered. Which is so frustrating because she was a very complex character and they did a lot of really cool stuff with bringing right. her out of the Borg well, Collective. I, in regards to sex, I remember that way. But yeah. in regards to a character, I don't. I remember how you're saying. Yeah, totally. Which is, she was a very complex yeah. character. And it's not that it's a bad thing to be 
extremely sexy. Right. But it is a bad thing when it's presented in a way that makes no sense with the story, yeah. doesn't fit the world. Yes. It seems gratuitous. Yes. Like there was no reason that she would be, you know, they dressed her right. Like a man dressed her to look hot. Sure. There's no other explanation for it. Sure. Like there's but, no in-world explanation for why she would yeah, dress that way. You're right. I mean, TNG did the same thing. Yeah, and it's frustrating with a male, right? As a Borg, just talking Borg. Right. Right. Because right. we had what's his name? Hugh. Hugh. Yeah. Which I feel was just as endearing. Oh yeah. Just as I, I will always feel more attached to Hugh than uh, to Seven of Nine. Just as valuable. Yeah. And I would agree that the hotness of seven and nine created more of a conflict to that affection. Yeah. It was a, it was like a, and that understanding as being a full character on a TV show. That was, that was like 50% of her. Yeah. That's why she's not my favorite character because I, even though I think she is very interesting, she's only 50% of a character. Like they don't really flesh her out, but I feel that way about Tom Paris. I feel that way Mm -hmm. about, Harry Kim, it's I feel that way Paris, I would agree, about yeah. Bellana Torres. Yeah. They're all like half of a character. I feel like Janeway yeah. is like a complete character. She's the complete character. And Chicote feels complete to me. And that's why and I think the they doctor, were fucking. The motherfucking doctor is yes, so great. The hologram doctor. Is yeah. Those three yeah, characters, yeah, I would agree. Yeah. But that's yeah. why that's always been my least favorite is because there's like four people I don't believe. Enterprise only has uh, yeah. uh, Merriweather right. that I don't believe. Right. Like what's Grace Park's character's name? Uh, um, I don't know. Soto. Yes. I like Soto, yeah. but she rides that line sometimes, but she just, mm-hmm. she makes the list for me where I believe her as a character right. and I like her as right. a person. Yeah. Um, but Mary Mayweather, did I say Merriweather? Mayweather. Yeah. Ensign Mayweather, Mary, Mayweather right. is like a, a block of wood. Yeah. He has like no character. Right. <laughs> like he was basically born in space and that's it. Yeah. Everything that happened after he was born in space right. just did not leave an impression because yes. the only thing we know about him is that he grew up on like a freighter because he was born in space. Yeah. And that's like a big deal to this society. And it's really cool world building, but yeah. that's the only thing his character does for three years. Yes. So, but anyway, but the rest of the characters on that show, like T'Pol, Trip, Archer, yeah. Malcolm, so fucking but rich. But T'Pol and full. was fucking hot too. They did the same thing with her i i agree but the the thing with depaul made vulcan sexual for the first time the thing I with depaul that worked is that she struggled with her sexual identity and mm. she was like a sexual person trying to burst out that's true because she was repressed that's sexually true. that's true it's a good point and it worked for me like it yeah. made the whole thing work for me like yeah. seven of nine uh was ashamed of herself mm. seven of nine would not have dressed to attract attention to herself by the male gaze. Right. That's, she was a, like a war survivor. Yeah. She's like, she's a prisoner of war. At, yeah. You know, once yes. you've been taken by the Borg and you've been conditioned to be something that you're not becoming who you are again is very difficult. And yeah. you don't like, that's a time for, for being quiet mm-hmm. and for turning eyes away from you because you're ashamed of yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So as someone who's been through medical stuff, that really bothers me about that character. I relate to it though, because of coming out of Christianity. Really? It's the same thing. Tell me about it. Like coming out of a religion that pre-programmed you and yeah. indoctrinated you into certain ways of thinking and certain ways of life. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have an awakening where you're like, holy shit. And you leave it all. Yeah then you're left with shame or, and you're left with processing out. Like even with my therapist recently, like sex is not, sex is a new thing that I'm trying to talk about more and more because my, with my therapist, like even Jen and I, we've been married for 16 years, but we don't talk about sex a lot and we're just starting to, which I think is part of the new journey Yeah, because there's this been this programming of repression 
for so long. And even my therapist used the word shame and guilt. And I was like, well, I don't think I've ever felt those things. But that he is, he continued to talk about why I feel anxiety about talking about these things. It was never something that was allowed or that you should talk yeah. about. It was what, you know what I mean? Totally. So it's like the seven of nine character. It's like she was involved. She was unwillingly put into a culture and a situation as a Borg. Yeah. She was assimilated. Yeah. And then now. That's like being in the church. Yes. That's yeah. like being in the church. You're assimilated. Yeah. And then. Your whole personality is, is changed to be what they everything. tell you it should be. Everything. You're programmed basically. Everything. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're out of it and you're like, what do I do now? You're like in the middle of nowhere yeah. with no connection. So, but, and what's beautiful yeah. is Janeway then brought her into a community. Right. And was like, we will help you. Like right. we will, we will go through your shit and you're allowed to go through your shit. Yeah. And we will still be with you. They just accept her and give her the space to do her thing. Exactly. And it, that's actually a process they have to go through to yeah. learn to trust her enough to allow that. Yes. To give her like access to the ship even. Yeah. Which is really cool. And that's I love, I love that stuff about her character. Yep. Yeah. Um, I have a weird question for you. Yes. So when you left the church, <laughs> when you were in the church, what did you wear? And then when you left the church, how did you transition into what you wear now? I'm just thinking about like seven of nine and what she wore. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like what would feel right to me. We and I feel like your experience might actually be like I, telling for me. My, <laughs> my Christian background as a pastor was, I was in a mega church and it was a, I'm going to use terms that may not, every maid may not know, but it was like a word of faith community. It was like a prosperity gospel place. I so, don't know what that means. Yeah. Well, it was a constant fashion show. Okay. So <laughs> as long as you were healthy and wealthy, it proved that you had great faith in God and that he was prospering you and giving you health. If you look good and make it look like this is a good community yes. to be a part of, you're yes. a valuable member of you're the community. You're a valuable member of the community. Gotcha. And the better looking you are, I, I excelled quickly in that community um, because I was charismatic. I was personable. Uh, I was, I fit what they needed fashion wise and look wise. What is that? I, good look, I don't know. But like, if you look at my, if you go to my Facebook page and you look at the very first picture, like khakis me, and polos or dude, something, fuck. No, I look like Keith Urban. I had no oh. glasses. I had no beard. I had long hair that was highlighted. Whoa. I, you could so go you were to my backstreet boy. Basically. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Interesting. That, and then like, it was the high level pop culture yeah. of the nineties yep. was what you were supposed to dress like in the conformity church. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's it just fascinating. Kind of, it just like I I think I shared last episode, my pastor at one point told me if you stop wearing black, I'll buy you a Hugo Boss suit. Yeah, yeah. And this Hugo Boss suit will show people that you have faith and that God is prospering you. And yeah. like, it's underlying, but it's the culture, right? right? It's what the culture does. So you can you can get far based on looks. Yeah. I think a a huge I, amount of damage has come from this yes, in our society. Absolutely. And maybe this is like absolutely. part of the source. Well, yeah. And so, and one of the things too, is like, I actually remember looking at my wife and going, whenever I'm out of here, I'm just going to wear a uniform every day. Oh, like, interesting. I just want to wear the same thing every yeah. day, which is now I wear black. I generally wear jeans or black dickies and a black t-shirt and this gray vest, this gray Levi's vest. Yeah. I wear the same outfit every day. Wow. And I wash the pants maybe once a week, but I wear them all week. I change my underwear and hang tops and wow. stuff and t-shirts, but I pretty much wear the exact, and I wear this because it's comfortable. It's fine. I don't need to make a decision in the morning about what I need to wear. Yeah. I just grab a fucking t-shirt. You know, I'm subscribed to Loot Crate, so I get all these free T-shirts, and I either like them or I don't. If I like them, I keep them. If I don't, I don't. Yeah. So I just like I pretty much wear a, t a black pants, 
I wear the same shoes every day. Doc Martens. I have three pairs of shoes. <laughs> I have Doc Martens. I have workout shoes, which I rarely use. And I have a pair of Air Force Ones that I wanted for my birthday because I thought, those are cool. Those are tennis shoes. I want to wear those from time to time. That's so interesting. I have three pairs of shoes. And I have two pairs of pants. <laughs> and I have a bunch of t-shirts and underwear that I wear. You're describing my wardrobe in like <laughs> high school and college. Nice. But it's changed like tremendously yeah. in the last few years. Yeah. I feel like as I changed as a person when I moved to Seattle, mm-hmm. I started uh, dressing differently. Yeah. And in a way that just felt a little like before I felt like I was being me because I was wearing a t shirt with mm-hmm. Star Trek on it or something like that. Right. Um, and it was like I could brand myself and wear my flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's like, I don't know, I really like floral prints recently nice. and weird colors and random combinations yeah. and just like shit from thrift stores that appeals to me. Right. Uh, like suspenders and. Yep. Like bow ties. I don't know. Just like exploring the other options of fashion right. that I never wore Absolutely. has been really exciting. Right. Uh, which is like fun and interesting. Yeah. But what's interesting about you is that uh, you were basically told what to wear as you were growing up. Right. Uh-huh. But then you were also told that you had to pick out something nice every day. Sure. If I'm catching up what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, so like not- that was never from my family. My family was kind of always okay with whatever, as long as it was yeah. representative of wholesome. So every time you went to church, you that had to be very church. careful about what you wore church to get up in front of people. Show. Yeah. yeah. Church was a fashion show. So, yeah. And I know what it's like to play mm-hmm. in a band and feel like you have to wear clothes. Right. right. And it, it can't be like, that's why I wear costumes on stage yeah. because there's no genuine way to wear clothes yes. on a stage. Yes. It doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So to have to dress that way all the time is sort of disingenuous. And that's like, yep the the same sort of thing of going into work every day and wearing a tie Mm -hmm. you know it's disingenuous i love wearing ties and i find ways to go to work that i love and i feel and i would dress if i worked anywhere Mm -hmm. um but i do have like well up up until i resigned over medical leave stuff yeah um well i resigned because like i wasn't like my benefits ran out and i didn't want to keep my company strung along right because they were really good to me for a really long time yeah you know yeah uh anyway uh but up until then I had like a suit and tie job and yeah. I found a way to be completely individual inside of it that I liked yeah. a lot. Yeah. But what I, I really like the idea of like, cause I remember the time where all I wanted to do was just change t-shirts mm-hmm. that I wore the same pair of pants for mm-hmm. a week yep. and I had two pairs yep. and I had like maybe even one or two pairs of shoes, one pair of shoes that I'd wear every day and one pair for emergencies. Yeah. And uh, changing the t-shirt was my way to kind of express myself, yeah. but everything else felt disingenuous. So I just wanted the same thing. Right. And I remember that like really very vividly when you just described it. And I didn't realize until you said yeah, that, that I used to be that way yep. and thinking about how much that's changed. And it's interesting that you and I have changed in the opposite direction, Very true. but for like similar reasons of like wanting to be more ourselves. Yeah. I just want to be comfortable. And I, yeah. and I would agree that I have uh, body image issues that I'm still working through. Mm. I'm not as healthy as I want to be. So it's like, he's I, looking at himself. Right yeah. Now. I'm looking at myself. It's like, I have like kind of man boobs and I got a belly and I wouldn't call myself obese, but, uh, my sleep apnea doctor did. <laughs> Yeah, but you I, also have like a great haircut and a sweet yeah, beard and like cool glasses yeah, and like my you know. fa- my head everything above the neck above works. Well, I mean, you're so, like you're a good looking man. Thank you. Know? you. Yeah, everything from the <laughs> just neck because I don't want you to looking. suck my dick doesn't yeah. mean I don't think you're a good looking man. I, you're a good looking man as well. <laughs> thank oh, you. I appreciate that. Of, I was gonna bring up. I won't go into it, but there's a difference <laughs> between like Paul Walker is someone I used to have. Like that guy's fucking beautiful. Yeah. Right. I used to think that about him when I saw him in the movie, the skulls with his shirt off and boxing shorts with boxing gloves on. Yeah. I looked at my wife and if I first saw that movie and I was like, 
he's fucking hot. Like, yeah, that so, guy's hot. I have a question. Yeah. If you could, if you were put in a situation where the opportunity to touch Paul Walker in a sexual way yeah. was presented it to you uh-huh. and it was something that was going to feel good. Sure. Would you do it? Um, I could tell you how I would touch him. Let's do that. So I would, I, I can't get a yes or no to would you do it or not? I, if it invent, if it meant his dick, no, I don't really, I don't want to blow him. I don't want to jerk him off. I do want to run my hands down his chiseled chest and okay. abs okay. and go, fuck yes. All right. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm a hugger. I fucking love hugs. I think yeah. hugs are fantastic. Yeah. I think you can tell a lot of people like, about a, a lot about a person by their hugs. Totally. I agree. Yeah. You give a good hug. Thank you. Yeah. I, you do too. Thank That's, you. I, there's a, there's a I've thing. worked on it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a thing. And I guess what, let's define a good hug. To me, there's those that you hug and it feels like you're hugging a dead fish. Right. And then there's people that you hug that you know they've been through shit and mm. you can feel it. And so you feel this genuineness of humanity yeah. in the embrace. And I can't explain it. Like I, I have a, but I have like, a similar thing in my life. Yeah. Do you know Juan who works, who used to work at uh, rendezvous who now works at some no, club? I don't. Uh, Juan devil Pino or something. I don't remember his last <laughs> You're name. You're Hispanic is horrible. <laughs> I am not arguing that being a part uh, of Hispanic. Yes. So he works at the rendezvous and my band was playing there one night okay. and he like came out to introduce himself and he gave me one of the best hugs. Yeah. And I talked to other people about Juan's hugs and they're like, yeah, yeah I got a really good hug from Juan also. Yeah. Um, he was actually in one of my music videos. He was in relativity nice. as the guy who looked like a space woodsman. He had like a red glowing beard and Amazing. silver bodysuit. Yeah. Playing the drums That's that legit. lit up. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, for me, like a good hug, mm-hmm. like a wand hug, yeah. is like chest to chest contact. Yeah, when someone like pulls you in and yes. and holds you to their chest. Yep, I because agree. Because that's like a level of intimacy that is. Yeah, um, I would agree. Rare for yep. some reason, because that's what a hug is. Yes, like a hug is not wrapping arms, arms around, around someone's yes. body. A hug is like like pulling someone in for contact. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, there's like a weird social stigma around that mm-hmm. because I feel like as a man to assume that you can do that to a woman can be invasive of her space. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Um, and I think that's very true of a man as well, but I, I just, you know, haven't yeah. experienced that as much. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something about just going for it. Yes, just like, I want to give you a body to body hug because yep. I've never gotten one of those from someone who wasn't like warm. Right. And maybe those two things have to go together or yeah, something I like th- that. I think that, and I just do it with everybody now. I just, yeah. you know, it's like man, woman, like in the, when I grew up in the church, side hugs was a thing, mostly with women because you don't want to push yourself up against their breasts. Yeah. I don't think yeah. about a woman's breasts when I'm hugging them. I think that's the difference. I will admit to have thinking about, to have thought about a woman's breasts while I would hugging say, them. And I think that's an issue. Well, I would say I've thought of it after the fact. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah. oh shit, okay, maybe, oops, I'm sorry. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, but I, I to me, it's always later. Yeah. You like know what right I do? after, I'm you like, oh know my, shit, sorry. my hug strategy? Yeah, go for it's it. It's very prime directive. Do it. <laughs> I just open up for embrace and let them choose. That's a good idea. That's smart. <laughs> yeah, because like if, if, if they want a chest to chest hug, I'm like super in. Yeah. And if they don't, I'm super down for that too. And I, I'd rather like... Oh not, yeah, not across someone's boundary unless we've discussed it. Well, so I would I just ass- try I would to ass- find a strategy that will allow for all boundaries. I would assume the same thing because there are yeah. females that I've hugged, and you can tell they're not pressing against you. Yeah, and it's not absolutely. like I grab them and 100%, pull them in. hundred you know? percent. Yeah. So I guess totally. I do the same thing. It's something know? to but be aware of for sure. It is. Um, even though my favorite hugs are like the close hugs. Sure. I would. I don't. I wouldn't initiate a close hug for fear of crossing a boundary. Yeah. 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 
This is fascinating. That's crazy, man. So what else? So is no, in your- I don't want to jerk off Paul Walker. Okay. I, nothing about me wants to do that. I admire, I admire his body. I think he's a beautiful man. Yeah. And see, that surprises man. me. Cause I feel like in that scenario, of course you jerk off Paul Walker. Like, yeah. of course you do. Of course. What are you thinking? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just not if he's giving willingly and it's going to feel good and be fun. You got to go do it. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I if, just, I, like I as long as you're not cheating on somebody. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to gay porn. Okay. So like, <laughs> like gay, like uh man on man porn yeah. uh, was always like intriguing. Of course I've seen it and I've watched it. Didn't do anything for me. And then, but lesbian porn, holy shit. I think that's hot as fuck. Yeah. So like, that's kind of the challenge and it's like, sure. And I went you know? through that. I, the mm-hmm. first time I saw gay porn, it was, be- it was, uh, <laughs> I love that from Star Trek. To our I know porn this is a good conversation though. Um, <laughs> the first time I saw gay porn, it was within the framework of this is bad, mm, and it was because okay. of something my friends had told me. Gotcha. Because that's what they were hearing at home. Sure. And it, that's what they're getting from like right Christian values, right. basically. Right. And I've confirmed this. This is not just me yep. saying this. This sure. is why I had a thing against Christian values as a kid because right. they affected me very negatively. Yeah. Uh, so, oh my god, I just lost my train of thought. What was I just talking about? Uh, gay porn, gay porn and okay, so thank it, you. But the infl- yeah, gay porn. I'm back. Gay. So the, the first time I saw it, it was within the context of everyone I know who's my age thinks that this is a bad thing, and gotcha. that if I like right. this, I'm sick. Right? You know. Um. So I didn't. I don't even. I didn't enjoy it. Yeah. That's not an enjoyable experience. Sure. You know? Yeah. Watching something to see if you like it to know if you're sick or not. Right. That's not an enjoyable experience. And your friends there's are nothing, kind of shitting on you. For there's nothing to arousing do it. about that. Yeah. There's nothing that's healthful, healthy, or sexual about mm-hmm. that. And then when I watch female porn, I'm like, I'm supposed to like this. And right. I'm like, Oh my god, Nikki Nova, your breasts are so large. Right. <laughs> you're covered in pasta sauce. Right. That's real. <laughs> That's, That's real. Hilarious. That was part of my yeah. part of my early dial-up porn days. Yeah. Um, oh my god, my mom's gonna be so mad at me. <laughs> my parents one, will never hear this. One though. time, my sister found a stack of my Playboys. Okay. In the bathroom. Solid. I'm embarrassed about. Well, no, it was like other magazines too. So I used to have this like magazine hand-me-down system okay. from my friend Dan's brother to him to me. Yeah. I would get like third-hand porn magazines. Gotcha. This shit doesn't happen anymore. No, you know? it doesn't. I love talking about this because it makes me sound old. Everybody has a personal <laughs> masturbation machine in their phones. Totally. So it's like yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, the day that the 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 day that the internet became accessible to me, yeah. all like print went out the window. Right. You know. Well, my <laughs> first porn experience was the Playboy Channel scrambled yeah me too right and so whenever the background would get white it would unscramble enough to where you could see shit my very first experience was that and i saw something that freaked me out i don't remember what it was Mm -hmm. but i went crying to my mom no way yeah because i was like i i was watching the scrambled channel and i saw something and oh no way but what what happened for the first time is i think i felt like sexual desire you know and i didn't know what it was Mm -hmm. and it freaked me the fuck out and i was just scared of it because yeah. it was this like force inside of me that I wasn't familiar with yeah. as like a 13 or 14 year old or whatever. Of course, yeah. And it was like powerful. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my God, what is that? That's that's going to be trouble. Yeah. Oh my God, it's attached to this thing on the TV. Oh my God, I shouldn't be watching this. This is bad. I'm doing bad things. Right. You know, because like that was the value of the society was yep. that this was bad. Mm-hmm. So when you experience something for the first time through the lens of it's going to be bad for you and it becomes exhilarating, it's yeah. scary. Yep, that like, makes sense. Like smoking your first cigarette, you know? Yep. Cigarettes are undoubtedly bad for you. Right. But the need to know if they're bad for you is why people start smoking and exactly. then they can't stop. Right. And yeah, Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's smoking. So my first sexual <laughs> experience, I recently talked about this with my therapist, which is what led to, Oh shit, I am maybe ashamed or guilty, feel guilty about having these conversations. Yeah. Um, I had a friend in elementary school named BJ 
And so for whatever reason at school, we just kept calling him BJ Blowjob. And he was a yeah. friend. So it wasn't I'm necessarily assuming you like, just mocked him terribly. Of yeah. course, of course. But you it did. wasn't necessarily like degrading him. No, he was a friend. I was so. involved in things like that. I know yeah. what you're talking it's about. Like we don't know what we're saying, but it sounds right. like it fits. And you're BJ Blowjob. A group Blow is Job saying and, it and you want to, it's yeah. fun to say it with the group. Absolutely. Yeah. Being Something aware like of what you're saying is very important, but yes. you learn that later. Later. Well, I became quickly aware because I got in trouble. The school called my parents. This, uh-huh. was, I, this was the three years I was in public school. Uh, the school called my my mom. My mom, as soon as I got home, I remember the room vividly that where we're in, in their master bedroom. They had a fireplace or something in it, and we're sitting there. And my mother's like, do you know what a blowjob is? And I'm in, <laughs> this is fourth grade. Whoa. So I was nine. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, no. And she tells me what a blowjob is, and I'm mortified. Wow. Like, I was just blown oh, away. Oh, you didn't even know? I didn't even know. Oh, wow. I was okay. just calling him BJ Blowjob. Hi, wow, okay, cool. I didn't so know. someone who knew started that, and then other people picked it up. Or maybe they didn't know. I don't know, yeah. but they'd heard it. Whatever. Yeah. It was like yeah. the one, you remember the movie Iron Eagle? Did you ever see the movie Iron no. Eagle? So it was a, a Top Gun came out. And then, like, shortly thereafter, other plane movies came out, and there was this one called Iron Eagle. Well, they said <laughs> the word bastard in Iron Eagle okay. so much uh-huh. that at one point, my friend and I are in the swimming pool in our neighborhood, and I'm like hitting him with the boogie board. And I'm like, die, you bastard. And I just kept saying, bastard, bastard. <laughs> and this mother over on the side is like, <gasps> and she freaks out and she starts yelling at me for saying bastard. I didn't even know I was swearing. Yeah. Right. So it was the same kind of thing with blowjob. Yeah. It's so interesting. Like respecting people's boundaries is very important, but sometimes people's boundaries are too strict to have yes. like reasonable interaction with anyone else. Yeah. And their boundaries maybe need to flex a little bit. Yeah. Huh, but who's to make that call? You know? Yeah. That's the thing is that I feel like no one, and that's why you have to think like the prime directive is that no one can make that call because yeah. then we're lost. Yes. But I think that's important if, like, the prime directive is important in a sense that way, because no one makes the call. We just have, we have a universal call to make. Yeah, and that's not to intrude and in, impede our values onto someone else's society, totally, or way of life, totally. Which I think is fantastic. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah, and all the more back to relationships. I keep thinking whether Janeway and Chakotay fucked. I don't know why that keeps coming up in my head <laughs> because that's a fascinating relationship of like him being a part of a subversive rebellion and her being a part of the Federation. Totally, and the fact that they came together is beautiful and crazy. Yeah, and that the balance of the two of them is what kept everything sane. Yeah, but I'm sure Chakotay and Seven of Nine fucked, right? Oh, like, absolutely. They, yeah, they There's had no a doubt. thing for a while, and he was like showing her what romance was, yeah. or some of it was in her head in the ho- in like the holodeck. Like a lot of it she was imagining, and she just yeah. used to... Anyway. Yeah, I, um, I'm frustrated <laughs> that she was the only character that they showed kind of... Uh, Sexually yeah. interested in people, although she was I mean, wrestling sure. with sexuality though. Yeah, it happened with like okay. Polana and um and Paris, Tom Paris, right? Uh, but I feel like it just kind of gave the impression that like the hot girl is the only one who's sexual. Yeah, like life is important, and I feel like to say that showing it is bad is sure. actually not even true. It's just that they need to show other things yeah. also. Like but that was never, never my perspective. Like my we perspective saw some of like she Captain, doesn't know she yeah. was a Borg. Oh, I'm just she was yeah. assimilated as a child. Totally. So it was like she never knew. So to me, it was like like she never I, knew about like sexuality. She never knew about sexuality. Yeah. Because so the like Borg her exploring it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. She should sleep with everyone on the ship. Yeah. You know, she absolutely should. Yeah. <laughs> but like someone else on that ship is probably a slut, and I'd like to hear that story too because <laughs> I'm sure that that exists. You know, like I just want to see everything, especially from Star Trek. Neelix. It was Neelix. Neelix, Neelix was the slut. 
Me likes the slut. Yeah. I had a crush Dunna. on his girlfriend, too. Me likes too. the slut. <laughs> she was a cutie. Kess? I love yes. Kess. Kess I never, fantastic. I never got over Kess leaving. Ugh. Did you hear the, the actress went through some horrible things? Really? Yeah. It's a very sad story. I didn't I don't know that at all. Okay. Well, we'll talk out. about it off air because I'm yeah. sure you've talked about it on air. So. I think I've mentioned it on air before, but yeah, I mean, it's out there if people want to go read about it. It but. was interesting, though. The way they wrote it in the timeline made sense. It's like her race yeah. only lives so long. Yeah, so but then the way they brought to, her back was so stupid. Yeah, I agree. That was I weird. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just get, <laughs> I've just been thinking about, I, I've had to apologize for myself several times on the show because I've been thinking about representation a lot. Yeah. And I keep harping on about it because I'm just like seeing it more now, you yeah, know? Yeah. I'm just seeing clearer you. that, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm dating a, a feminist, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. which is great for me because yeah. I am a feminist. Right. And it's really great to... Uh, be dating a feminist who is like really open to discussing her thoughts on yeah. how things are going right. as a society. Right. And like a, lo- a lot of things are starting to occur to me based of, off of our discussions where mm-hmm. I'm just starting to see like, Oh, this is an example of that. This is an example of that. Yeah. Um, and it's just everywhere. It's just everything, right. you know, just a hundred percent top down yeah. in our society. It's just written into it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that's a problem. I think that there are a lot of things that are just as problematic. I think that the 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 whole white nationalist movement is yeah. just as problematic, sure. you know, yeah. for what it can do to society. Right. Um, but like these are things that I think can completely destroy society, you yeah. know. And I think that feminism is up there. Yep. I think that not recognizing that like over half the population are even valid people right. with opinions yep. is like very problematic because right. we need to work together if we're going to make it through. Totally. Like we got we got to start churning out ways to get people off the planet now, you know? Yeah. Like the climate could be irre- irre- irrevocably fucked. Right. Already. Yeah. Um but that's okay. Like don't freak out. Right. Just build a ship to get to another planet. Just think like fucking Clark in right. the 100, figure it out yes. and survive, you know? Well, and we can happen. do that. We're like, like as a humanity, we can do that. Is it ingenuity uh, or necessity is the... Is the mother of invention. The mother of invention, which is very true. And if the climate's not fucked, we made a great technology. Mm -hmm. There's every reason to pursue that technology. Yeah. There's nothing to lose. Yeah. I just think the problem is we won't until we have to, and that's the challenge. That's the problem. And and that's because of pushback from from unwise viewpoints. Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah. Totally. And And I think a lot of those come from like organizations like the church, which is so unfortunate. Well, it's our... our, uh, In America our thing of valuing the loudest voice somehow we need to develop a sense of like polite society online yeah you know like you go to the opera yeah. and you're going to talk to someone with respect yeah you go to i don't know like uh, a fight club yeah and you're basically like on reddit yeah so i i am disturbed by this trend towards negativity on the internet i feel yeah. like that speaks to the negativity of humanity in a way that is like measurable yeah. and very dangerous. Yeah. And I think Breitbart news is like a huge part of the problem. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like is, that's like the extreme version where is, there is, is now actual news that is, right. is Breitbart is fake. news. And Breitbart they, news yeah. would not listen to a Martin Luther King, but they would right. have to address a Malcolm X. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Totally. Like there needs to be both. Totally. And they There's could gotta be both. Right. They could talk about Malcolm X with no regard to Martin Luther King yes. and call it true. Right. And it's, uh, 
it's just not true. Like if you take out half of a story, it's a different story. Yeah. And journalistic integrity involves telling the whole story. Right. And journalists are okay at that job. Right. You know, it's they're humans and they're doing a job. Yeah. But there is a sense of integrity behind it that dictates their actions. Yep. And you can see it in their hiring and firing practices. Like there was this thing right. recently where CNN fucked up and reported fake news. Right. And then of course all the, the right jumped down their throats and everyone who fucked up was fired. Yeah. Everyone was fired. Yeah. Breitbart like reports fake news on a daily basis right. on purpose. Right. And then accuses the other side of, of posting fake news right. just so that fake news will circulate right. the word. And because that is it's the brilliant definition branding. of propaganda. It is brilliant branding. Yeah, 100% propaganda. Yeah, it's propaganda. That is yeah. their definition of propaganda is to decredit the lesser and that we have the truth. Like, Absolutely. That's what Trump's been doing the whole time. Absolutely. And yeah, so it's that's like, like Christianity to me as a kid, like your religion yeah. is going to send you to hell. So you need to join us or, or burn forever, yes, motherfucker. Right. You know? And it's like, have you guys not read history? Do you not know history? This The, the references to Trump being like, uh, fucking Hitler. Yeah, are not that Trump's like Hitler. Right, it's that he's using the same propaganda. Techniques. Exactly, Trump he, is not yeah. like Hitler. He's, he's not like, fucking Hitler on the scale he's from using like the same tools. human to Hitler or like mm-hmm. human to Gandhi or whatever. He's right. on the Hitler ladder. Yeah, you know, yeah. he's climbing the ladder to Hitler. Yes, he he's just using the same tools. He's using the exact same the exact tools. same tools. Yeah, and we don't know it. And and our our country goes. Yeah. What's going on? Like, well, you and I know it. Well, yeah. But we're like stuck here in this pocket of glorious liberalism in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. But the wonderful thing about both of us mm-hmm. is that a couple more people hear what we say yeah. because of our podcast. Right. And, you know, I try not to harp on Trump too much, but I, I, do, I do worry about the mindset of, of voting for someone who's spreading fear. Mm-hmm. Because everything that Trump has ever said about immigrants was meant to spread fear Mm -hmm. and it was not meant to accurately reflect the people he's talking about because it doesn't, you know, it just straight up does not. Um, yeah. I mean like fear is never historically a motivation that works towards anything good. Totally. It's always bad. Totally. Fear is what always like generates terrorism, you know? Yes. Exactly. Is that true? I don't know. Now I'm feeling very stoned. Well, so I'm trying right. to sound true. I don't know. I don't know. It I don't know if matter. anything I ever say is correct. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I think though, like that's the big thing. Like I, um, and that's why I bring everything up with like the Martin Luther King Malcolm X thing. Yeah. Like that needs to be a combination. I feel is a winning combination for feminism. It's a winning combination for gay rights. You it's mean a the, the militant and the sort of uh, spokesperson? It's a peaceful working at the a, same it's time. It's a peaceful spokesperson and yeah. a militant spokesperson. Like if yeah. you follow the trajectory of yeah. Martin Luther King, I think what got Martin Luther King killed mm-hmm. was he started to he start he 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 moved from all men are created equal uh-huh. to speaking against our government is fucked and yeah. fucking us. Yeah. When he made that transition is when he was assassinated. Like oh, if wow. You, if oh, you interesting. Follow, I've if never you heard follow, it phrased that way. Oh, yeah. If you follow him and his historical speeches and the things he said. Wow. Because he'd gained power and now he had real power to yeah. say something actually dangerous and what's so interesting to, to the white propaganda is, is even machine. Even with my story of coming out of religion, I thought I'd have all these issues with religion. Yeah. And what my issues of, of religion have now kind of faded away and I look at our government and now my issues are with our government. Yeah, like I see that. Like we, this I, religion just gave me a framework of what manipulation and control looks like. Yeah, and now I see that in our government. Yeah, I feel so conflicted about government because we live in Washington State, which mm-hmm. is pretty damn great. Right? You know, we got legal in weed. Theory. 
I'm getting food stamps because I'm, I was on medical leave for so long that I couldn't make income and they can check that really quick and then get me food stamps. Pretty, I would balance that. It's pretty damn great and pretty horrible at the same time. I think they're always going to be, you know, I think that is the, and the essence of government is that it's going to be pretty great for a little over half the people on every issue. Right. But we have to learn to accept that. Right. And that's why I feel like, uh, we, the militant, example now could be Twitter Yeah, when you have like hundreds of thousands of women hashtagging, hashtagging feminism Mm -hmm. because it's important. It shows up in the male feed, you know, and then men can process it and say, wow, all these women in my life are being oppressed. That's important. Is that real? You're right. You know? And then like, because that loud voice from a trustworthy, passionate source um, said that to me, I'm like, okay, I'm wrong. Yeah. Like, yes. I didn't see that before, but I see that now. I see what you're saying. Yep. Like, teach me more. Yeah. So that's, I Without feel like I'm doubt. in, if, if feminism has phases, I'm in phase two where I'm just like asking questions yeah. and repeating back things that I have heard repeatedly from like multiple women. Yeah. So I feel like it's credible to say, right. because I don't feel like I can speak for feminism because I'm a man, right. you know, but I can, I can, it's hard to get a message out there as podcasters. We understand that. Yeah. Uh, so if I can help someone else get their message out and it's important yeah. and I recognize it's important, it's like, yeah. absolutely. I will pass that along. Yeah. And that's like the beauty of having a podcast. And then where I've landed for myself, it is Whoa. the beauty of having kicking, a podcast. Kicking my own mic. I know I've kicked it a couple times too. <laughs> um, the beauty, that is the beauty of having the podcast where I've kind of landed and where I'm at is when I do get heat from the flip side because my podcast is called losing our religion. There are still religious that listen and choose to speak up and hate me or be angry. at Of me. course. Yeah. And my response to all of them now is like who I am and where I'm at is I will always be on the side of the little guy period. Mm-hmm. So if you are ever on the side of the majority, I am probably on the flip side and that's just who I am. So if you listen to this show, that is the perspective I'm going to give because that's who I am. Yeah. And, and in this conversation, the minorities are the little guy and I have a question. Feminists are the feminine are the little guy. Yeah. What if we did a poll of everyone in the living in the country right now and discovered that more than half of them considered themselves Trekkies? <laughs> what do you do? That'd be pretty fan. More than half of them. More than half of them. You suddenly Jesus. discover that you're in the majority of Star Trek lovers. And it's a thing you've loved your whole life well, and it's it brought give, you so in, much in, joy. In a, in a moment, my first reaction is that it gives me hope. Awesome. I all of a sudden I love have hope, that. Yeah. which I don't have yeah. right now. So that's why I never, I never feel like I'm always on the, yeah. the non-majority side. Because yeah. sometimes being in the majority is fucking beautiful. And uh, yeah. the, like the Paris Accords are being in the majority in the most beautiful way that I can think of. That's a good point. Yeah. Yes. Good point. Yeah. Solid point. And the, like the other flip side too is often what we see historically is the minority does become the majority. Yeah. And the challenge with that is when you're in power, will you remember the little guy? When you're in power, do that's you the key. get too big and implode and, and it starts all over again? And, and or that is the, that is why I don't have a lot of hope. Because I continue to see that circulate over and over again historically. You know why I have hope? Why? Is because, uh, do you ever feel like, like when you're dating, let's go back to dating. Yeah. And like people fitting together, like we were talking about. Okay. Um, you keep trying that yeah. with different people until you find one that fits yep. and then you just go for it. Yeah. You know, maybe humanity developing some sort of social conscience and yeah. consciousness yep. uh, is a product of technology. 
And we've come a long way, you yeah. know, there's been a lot of societies that have lived on this planet that have come a long way, but mm-hmm. maybe we're at the point where we can just like work, yeah. just fit together and work as a relationship between us and the world that we exist in. Yeah. That's like the core relationship that is at stake here. I think mm-hmm. is that human beings live in a way that is not in harmony with the planet that we live on. And yeah. that's dangerous. Yeah. That's ultimately dangerous. Uh, and making decisions that will lead us away from that is very important, especially right now. Totally. Like we are, you know, like as far as like, I, you like read like the rise and fall of empires. Yeah. I'm not saying that I think that the U S is going to fall at all. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying that I think that I is think it possible yeah. in this situation. Yeah. And I think that that's never happened in my lifetime. Right. I don't know. Uh, I don't know enough about history to know if it's happened in anyone else's lifetime. Yeah. But if you listen to the show, I mean, I would imagine maybe it's the first time that it's ever crossed your mind that America could fall like Rome, yeah. you know? Um, and I do think that that's possible. Like, I think I that's do, the and that's historical direction we're going. I don't even think it's, I don't even think it's to be, I think it will happen. Yeah. Whether I mean, who not, knows? But that's just me. That's but for I'm, my, for my money, my no hope. Let's like, talk for, about well, hope. For, for my money, you. like what yes. I've learned from having Lyme disease is like that probability <clears throat> does not matter right now. I'm yeah. aware of it. I accept it. Right. And then I'm going to live my life in the best way possible yeah. because by doing that, it's the only thing that I have control of that could possibly lift the ship. Yeah. And if enough people do that, it will lift the fucking ship. Yeah. If enough people are, are spreading stories of like mm-hmm. compassion and empathy and helping other people understand points of view of other individuals and teaching everyone that everyone is different and that's great and yeah. we should give people space to be different. Yeah. That's it. That's like the whole message. Yeah. You know, everything that you do after that is based off of yeah. so much different information than you had before. If right. you're not someone who thinks that way, exactly. but it's a basic human thing that we all want. And yeah. if you recognize in yourself that you want it, then you have to allow it to others. Yeah. Because you have to, like, we're all the same. We're all people. We're all on equal playing field. And everyone should have uh, all the rights that I want to have, yeah. you know? And if anything that I want pushes down anyone else, then right. it's not a good thing. And that's a moral barometer that is very clear to me. Yeah. And, and well, it's clear. To, I think it's, it's clear to most. Well, I don't know if it's clear to most people. I don't people. think it's clear to most people. And here's okay. why. I Interesting. Think, I think this is the, the problem and the blessing of personal pain. I yeah. think what opened my eyes to that yeah. is personal pain. 100%. And 100% that's and, what happened to me too, for and, sure. And we live in a society, especially in America, will not, every sure, every human experiences pain. Yeah. But not every human experiences pain in a way that would cause them to have compassion for other people. And this this is why sci-fi is my Privilege favorite Privilege is a problem. Because going to see E.T. is experiencing right. pain. Yeah. In a very powerful way. Like right. I felt true pain the first time I saw ET in a way that was very real to me. Yeah. And I think that that informed my relationship with everyone else because I'm like, wow, look at this connection. If you give someone a chance and get to know where they come from, then maybe, uh, maybe you'll have a relationship unlike anything you could have possibly dreamed of. Sci-fi can give us an alternative reality that I think is beautiful. And that that is why I'm in love with it. Totally. Black mirror is another story. (laughs) Oh, we can go there I, in a minute if you I would want. love to talk about we should I need to watch more of that and we should talk about that later Let's oh my that. god I would love to do but that but here let me say this like the reason my hope is fading is be- and has faded a bit with our country and the, the way of things are it's not because of Trump my favorite America unfortunately was after 9-11 interesting and America just went let's be together and America mourned yeah. together. And and all of a sudden we were one. Yeah. 
we were like, whoa, we're Americans. That did happen in places in the world, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, even in the whole world, like, uh, have you heard of Come From Away? The, it's a Broadway play? No. It's about this airport on some island somewhere remote yeah. where on 9-11, all the flights were canceled. Sure. So people from all over the world were stuck together in this yep. little community and this sort of beautiful thing arose out of it. And yeah. this play, Come From Away, is about that. It's like playing on Broadway right now. That's actually, uh, my girlfriend Andy's parents are producers on that play. And that's why they were at the Tonys nice. a couple of weeks ago. And I was like getting texts during the podcast of her on the Tonys, which was really funny. <laughs> that's so awesome. Or at the Tonys, not on the Tonys. Right. She was inside of the Tonys. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like an example of like people came together mm-hmm. other places in the world also, you yeah. know, like it was uh, like seeing something horrible is a moment for you to take stock and say, what do I value? Right. So th- that's, that scares me because in the Star Trek timeline, the, the seeing of something horrible was world war three. Right. And it kind of decimated humanity. Right. Uh, and then humanity develops warp drive after that. Right. Um, and then catch the attention of the Vulcans. And then we become yep. a, society of the cosmos right. exactly <laughs> yeah but world war three had to happen first and i i feel like we we can make a choice yeah we can decide not to do that right and it's very simple because we have you know the tools now to take the temperature of everyone yeah uh so now is the time to try to get messages of positivity out because yeah. they can be heard yes it's possible now yep. and if that's possible then the human race to decide not to destroy itself is also possible. And I think watching Star Trek is like the best way to kind of readjust your brain to how to think about other cultures in a positive way. Get some prime directive in your brain. Can I throw some negativity on your positivity? Hit me. Only because I want the positivity you have. I covet it. Like I want it, man. Um, My problem with with 9-11 and Star Trek is what 9-11 did is it brought America together. And then part of that bringing together gave us a common enemy. Right. That common enemy brought us more together. Right. Same thing with Star Trek. It's like World War Three happens. Humanity finds a way to come together. We div- we start to develop warp drive, warp drive, and now we're a part of the entire universe or the the galaxies. Yeah. But so then, to, so who's our common enemy in right. that case? But in that case, yeah, nothing. But as the story goes on. Now we're, now we're, then we're fighting with the Klingons. Right. Right. And then we're, and exactly. then we're, and then we're allies with the Klingons and then we have a common enemy. And so now we're with the Klingons yeah. against the Zindi or whoever, right? Like it's, whatever. It's a it process of our system as humanity, our system yeah. of thinking pressing outwards mm-hmm. and it, it might like run over someone in the wrong way mm-hmm. in, unintentionally. And then you have war with the Klingons for 70 years. Yeah. But the basis of our idea about why we're out there is to have peaceful relationships. That's why we're out and there. And that's why the, that's why the Klingons are and our allies. Get, and we get fucked yeah. for it, which it, is why we start weaponizing our ships. But there's right? always, <laughs> we See, get deep space nine, being deep space nine actually complicates this. Yeah. But in general, there's this progression of like, as we move further out, we run into enemies. They might be, you know, main enemies for a long time, but yeah. they're all temporary because yeah. we're going to work it out with everyone eventually, even the Romulans. Right. And hints of that are seen in next generation totally. and then in nemesis. Yeah. So even the biggest bad, I think Romulans, as far as like the whole of Star Trek, I, I think they are the biggest bad. Mm-hmm. Like the Borg are, weren't even in the original series. Right. You know, that's true. And the Borg are huge in next generation, even huge, huger in Voyager. So yeah. they might get more screen time. Yeah. But if you think about like the, the time that Star Trek has been on the air and how important Romulans are yeah. to stories all throughout that, I feel like they're the biggest one. Yep. You're right. That makes sense. I would agree. But that's temporary, you know, then yeah. the world is telling us, 
about how that's going to change. Even the Star Trek in 2009 referenced the fact that Spock was working towards uh, reunification mm. on uh, on Vulcan or with between Vulcans right. and Romulans. Right. Um, so he's working on Romulus to to get unification, which he had been doing in season six yeah. of Next Generation. So even though I spin off into another timeline, that message of hope is one of the first things that you hear. Yeah. And that's why I liked that movie. Like I, I felt legit. like they didn't really go deep into that and that was a shame, but it was still there. Yeah. It's still Star Trek to me. Totally. All three of them I feel that way, even though Into Darkness bugs me. Yeah. But it's like the personal decisions of individuals in, in Into Darkness that bugs me. And that can still be Star Trek because yeah. the world is bigger than that. Yep. And you have room to make mistakes. Yeah. Otherwise, James T. Kirk would never have a ship. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ranting now. No, it's okay. It's part of what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it's... I keep forgetting what we were talking about before. I'm having a hard time tracking this conversation because <laughs> it's so interesting. I'm getting so like caught well, up in everything. And there's so many, there's so many facets. Yeah. That reminds me of something yeah. else I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier uh, your wife was diagnosed with like a chronic pain issue, basically. Mm-hmm. And then, well, mental illness. Yeah. Uh, I, in my mind, that's like a chronic pain okay, issue. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Um, but sure, yeah. I have no problem using that terminology. It's just yeah. like my my brain is wired to think of that. Yeah, pain is pain. It counts. Yeah, it counts. yeah exactly. It's and I actually same. think that's um, maybe actually everything I was about to say just boils down to that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Is that I have experienced a lot of physical pain and a lot of emotional pain because mm-hmm. Lyme disease does both. Yep. And I come in and out of emotional episodes that are very clear and distinct. Yeah. And I've come to recognize them and, and be able to help with them, I guess. Yeah. Or it, it's, it's more like tell other people what's happening because mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, I get barraged by like full body pain sometimes that's right. so distracting that I stop hearing yes. what people are saying. Yep. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And that's a conversation killer, you yeah. know? Uh, like there, uh, Andy's in New York. There's times we're talking on the laptop and I just right. can't muster up a conversation. Right. And it's a weird social thing when you like call your boyfriend and he can't even look happy to see you cause he's so tired. Exactly. Um, because that's a basic human function and when you don't do it, something's wrong. Yep. So, but in my case, like it's just pain preventing that. Exactly. Uh, but then those periods go away. So I have this unique perspective right. and I always have through this whole health crisis of seeing both sides of everything. Yeah. Uh, so I know what it's like to, and I've dated people who had emotional health issues Mm -hmm. in the past. So I know what it's like to be with someone like that. And when I was younger, I didn't give her the space to do it. I dated a girl in college who, um, had, uh, who had MS Yeah, and I was as supportive as I could be. But the one thing that I did wrong is that I kept recommending things to her. Yes. You know? Yes. And she like knows everything. Yes. I, that's what I've done wrong. Yeah. So yeah. with, with be, having gone through the other side of that and recognizing mm-hmm. what I wanted, I made this rule with Andy where we have conversations where she can let me know, like, this is my vent conversation yeah. and you cannot interrupt me yeah. or I'm, I just won't interrupt you. I, I'm just going to talk something through. I need to get it out. Yes. And I don't want to, I don't want you to pick it apart yet because I'm verbalizing it for the first time. And if you start to pick it apart, it's beautiful, man. it might fall apart yeah. before I figure out what That's I'm trying beautiful. to say. Yeah. And it's really important to have those conversations. And yeah. if you're with a partner who doesn't let you do that, it's hard. Yeah. You know, it like, that's why I, uh, another reason why I started podcasting is because I needed to like squirt out words to as many yeah. people as possible to feel yes. heard. Cause yeah. I wasn't feeling heard yeah. uh, after like a really awful breakup where I just had this huge loss of like other yeah. person, you know? Totally. Um, yeah. So I feel like people need that and giving people the space to do that is so important. It's so important that 
you guys created a like this is I'm an anarchist, so it sounds counterproductive, but created a system for that conversation. Like you, like as you said, you're like so we created kind of a rule, or I preface by saying. I don't. I don't want answers here. Yeah. I just need to process this out. Totally. It's so important yeah. to know that before a conversation. Totally. And I think that's. I was the the answer giver in my relationship with totally. my wife, and it, yeah. I, because I wanted to help. It came from a Absolutely. place of helping. It's a very common yeah. thing, and it's like I've I've been in that conversation on yeah. your side like a thousand times. Yep. And it would uh, make our yeah. Com- yeah. It would make our conversations yeah. huge. You want to help the people that you love, and you want to fix things for them, but you have yeah. to make sure before you offer that information if they're looking for it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's the same. <laughs> yes. That is so huge. And I wish I would have known that 20 years ago. Totally. That's and been like a foundational change for me. Yeah. It's something that I kind of came to based off of a bunch of big relationships in my life and mm-hmm. the way they kind of crossed my existence and how yeah. I, what I liked or didn't like about that. And like, how do I want to present myself based right. off of these things? And asking first became the answer to almost all of it. Yeah. Like, how do you approach women as a man who's sexually attracted to women? Fucking ask them. Right. You know, they'll tell you. Yeah. They'll tell you and it will turn them on yeah. and, and you're going to have a great night. Right. That's what I'm telling you. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. yeah. That's how it works. You yeah. know, Absolutely. like people want to be heard. People mm-hmm. want to be, when you're intimate with someone, they want to be experienced as a person. Mm-hmm. So give them the room to do that, yeah. you know? And it will be so cool and fun. And if what they do is not your thing, that's okay. Yeah. Like you can shut that down it and doesn't then, matter. Yeah. you know, if you're ever uncomfortable, you can stop where, mm-hmm. what's happening and just like, you know, be with people you trust yep. and then go through life in an honest way and make as many mistakes as you have to, to figure out what you need. Yeah. And that's the other beautiful thing about podcasting is because it creates a space where people can also go, Oh, me too. Or yes. Oh totally. my God, I'm not, that. I'm not crazy. Yeah. Oh my God, somebody else feels this way. Somebody else thinks this way. Somebody else yeah. is dealing with Lyme disease or chronic pain or mental illness or kidney failure or whatever. Right. And oh, this is just part of the process. Someone else is being told they're crazy when they're sick. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Fuck. And that I that's like a symptom of the bigger problems in society. Yeah. Where it's in the best interest financially for pharmaceutical companies to make people think that they're either sick or not sick in very mm-hmm. specific ways. Yeah. And that's dangerous. And that has affected my life in a tremendous way. Yeah. Uh, and it's terrifying. Yeah. You know, and because of that, like I can't work, I yep. can't make money right now. Right. Like I, I've been podcasting long before the Lyme disease thing happened. Mm-hmm. Like I would do it either way. I love it. Mm-hmm. But ever since I had to stop going to work, it started to, really bleed into my daily life. Like I should figure out how to make a living doing this. Yeah. I should really figure that out because as a lifestyle, that's going to work for me. Right. And I think I could do it. You yeah. know, I think that my shows are good. I think right. that people like them. Yep. I think that a lot of people haven't heard them and that's the only right. issue. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Too. Yeah. And I think that if I can just find <clears throat> target sci-fi fans, because there's a higher mm-hmm. percentage that they'll like it than not, yep. uh, than the average media consumer. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, then I should be set. Like, I think that that's a doable plan. Yep. And I, and then the more resources I have, the more I will make, like, yes. I want to make this movie. That's kind of like a, so what I loved about star Wars and what was kind of a religious thing to me was this feeling that there was a, a higher power in the universe yep. represented in a way that made sense to me. Yes. And that's like huge to me. I, that's the only yeah. time I've really seen that because yeah. star Trek does not do that. They don't star Trek just leaves room for it. Uh, but doesn't touch it. It's kind of like some cultures do it. Other cultures don't. Some yeah, aliens actually, do, some aliens don't. I love the wormhole aliens. I love the the prophets. 
the fact yeah. that they are a religious well, figure, Bajoran, but they're also the real. religion. Yeah, yeah, but but maybe they're mm-hmm. only real for the Bajoran people, right? But they are physically there, right? And that's really fascinating, and I yeah. I loved that message. I thought that was like a message of tolerance for religion, yeah, that was really interesting, or more for culture, totally. I guess. Yep, uh, and because they were supposed Bajorans were in many ways like a, a parallel to Jews mm-hmm. uh, and how people kind of become militarized when yep. they're kicked around so much. Yes. Which is really interesting. Cause yeah. like you think about being Israeli and going to the military mm-hmm. is just a part of growing up. It's like going to high school for us, exactly. you know? Yep. Um, yeah. And that's fascinating. That's so different. Yeah. It's so different than what you and I experience exactly. in our lives where the military is a choice, yep. but that makes me respect people in the military so much. That's mm-hmm. something I wanted to say, like the first hour of this conversation was like uh like as much as i question like the motives of the government i think that the impulse to fight to protect those that you love is so powerful and wonderful and i'm grateful for it i'm so grateful for it yeah yeah, me too and i i know that that's in me but it's like not strong enough to to make me Mm -hmm. compromise my own values to to kill basically. I I don't think I'd be physically able to do it because of my value set. And that's the beautiful thing about us. Let's go back to that Island analogy again. Yeah. I, I, Zach Gandra, I am a questioner. Mm -hmm. I am, I am in in a Christian term. I am the John the Baptist. I am the man crying in the wilderness telling everybody, I don't know the way, but I know there's a different way. And if we would just get together and start talking there could, there's a different way. Right, and John yeah, the Baptist was a Jew who left Judaism to live in the wilderness and eat honey and locusts and wore fucking animal fur, and he's just crying in the wilderness for there to be a different way. And then the yeah. Christian story is Jesus is that way, but that uh, that's just me. That's who I am. That's yeah. an that's an important part of society. I agree. I right? love that. And so so is the person that would sign up to fight the battle. Absolutely. Right. That is an important part of society. Yeah. And if we could just, you know, and I have a mystic friend that's come on the podcast and he talks about mental illness a lot. And he goes, the mentally ill in the past that now that, you know, in in regards to mystics and spiritual thought and wisdom, those people in our society now are medicated. Mm-hmm. In in mm-hmm. previous societies, mm-hmm. they were honored yeah. for their craziness and for the, their their thought, and they were claimed mystics, and yeah. people cared about their advice or their thought processes about things because they have a point of view that we can't they, have exactly. And every point of view is valuable. Yes, and yes. and we need to be taught that we do. See, and that's where I yep. feel like I come in is that I feel like that's my message. Mm, you know, is that like every voice has value because yep. I feel like the solution Ditto. to I our problems, get along. I think so too. Yeah. <laughs> I think the solution to our problems is to ask ourselves what we want yep. and then try to do it. And I think that a majority of people will choose to, to thrive. Yeah. And, and I think, I think what comes against that is so much of our society is looking for agreement. It's yeah, not about I, agreement. I think we need to move away from that. We need to move away from yeah. agreement and move towards diversity and honoring totally. the diversity. Absolutely. Because it's not about agreeing. We should question agreement. Yes. If, if things are like 50-50, we should wonder why. Ugh. What's the third option that would work better? Yes. If if all of the elections for the last like 20 years have been like 50-50 almost, Oh my God, yeah. And I know, I know that's not true, but it's... Yeah. it's there's a trend. Close-ish. As I got older, I mean, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. elections were won by landslides. Right. And then as I got older, it was always like a 50-50. Yeah. Uh, that means that there is something missing. There's something not being covered. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's in between. And maybe that needs a voice. Yep. So I think that is the problem with our government, yep. is that there's no room for that. Yep. And I think Agreed. that's like, Barton moved to New Zealand, my old yeah. bandmate who got to, who's been on the show a bunch of times. Yeah. He was telling me about their system of government. And it's based more on like, 
the needs of the individual place are are rise to the top and then those mm. go up and then that's how policy is kind of based interesting uh, if that makes sense because yeah. of the way that they elect officials sure um things are represented differently it's mm-hmm. not parties it's you know like uh i don't know i don't remember what he was saying it was really yeah. interesting so like needs it's I'm not, not parties. Sure. it's like i can i can think of nothing i kind of want to look it up do it that's the beauty about podcasts is that, <laughs> that you can is. do shit like this we're not like on air Mm-hmm. We can fucking do this. What was I talking about? Uh, New Zealand government. New Zealand. Miles is just chilling. How are you on time? Oh, I'm probably going to need to stop soon. <laughs> we could just go for days. I know. We could, well, we have to do this more. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I would love to come on your show. And then, yes, for sure. Um, there was something... Oh, Black Mirror. Black Mirror. I've been wanting to dive into that. Yeah. And it'd be fun, like... It's fucking scary, man. I'm, I'm going to watch it if you want to, like... It's the Twilight Zone of today. Yeah. It's, it's literally the the worst case scenario. If we keep doing the things we're doing now, here's what it's going to look like. Yeah. If... Uh, you just got to see it. I was thinking about doing, like, whole episodes about episodes of Black Mirror. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. Everything I've seen has been great. Uh, um, yeah. And I'd love to, like, make it a regular thing. If you want to, like, try a couple and see Let's how it do is. do it, man. I would love to do that. I love it. D- Black Mirror causes an existential thought, like, like more than Star Trek. Yeah, and I it's agree. it's disturbing. It, I agree. Black Mirror is disturbing. It's almost too much to bear. Yes, it's very hard. I've, I, I've, I, I've you, only seen two episodes, but they were so intense, I had to you, put it down. Yeah, that's it. If you binge watch, you, I just get depressed. Yeah. I become more hopeless. So right? yeah, like, like one episode at a time sounds manageable to oh me. Oh my God. Okay, the New Zealand government is a constitutional monarchy. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Monarchy is like uh, uh, a parliamentary system of government. This means that our head of state is a sovereign, currently Queen Elizabeth II. Right. The queen is represented in New Zealand by the Governor General Dame Patsy Reddy. This is not what I'm remembering. <laughs> New Zealand uses a mixed member proportional. This is the thing that he told okay, me about that okay. I liked. New Zealand uses a mixed member proportional MMP voting system, which makes it unlikely that any one political party e.g. National, Labor, Greens, will win a majority of the seats in the House. Hmm. The party with the most votes usually needs to form a coalition or agreement with another party or parties. Interesting. Isn't that fascinating? That is fascinating. Yeah, and I feel like... Uh, wow. I feel like that's going to cause just so much fighting. Right. But unfortunately, maybe that's necessary. Absolutely. So that more people's voices are heard because, yep. you know... I don't know. But then the other side of that is that a big problem with our government is that people have these values that they hold so tightly to mm-hmm. that are bad for the earth. Yep. Um, you know, like coal is a good example, yeah. you know, coal mining. Um, and it's something that really needs to be restricted or stopped right. for the sake of the earth. Mm-hmm. And it affects a lot of families in a horrible way. Yep. And that needs to be addressed. And those family needs to be, families need to be taken care of. Yep. Like, it's a transition we have to yep. make as a society. The problem know? with American government, in my opinion, is that American government is a religion. Yeah, totally. It's, it's not yeah, a conversation. Like, the idea of getting rid of coal is not a conversation. Yeah. It's, it's like a doctrine. Yep. What does that sound? That was weird. I don't know. 
Man, I have completely lost track of where we started. Should we stop? Let's stop. I'm tired now. <laughs> yeah, I, me too. I want to I wanna eat something. Yeah, it's 10 o'clock. Uh, it's been three hours and 45 minutes, <laughs> and I feel like we barely scratched the surface. Barely. I well, agree. Let's, let's, oh man, I'm so excited to talk to you more. I'll schedule This is, this is an amazing show. conversation. It is. Th- this is one of the, the finer conversations that I've had uh, just as a human being in quite a while. Ditto. Which me is too, really man. nice. It's fascinating. And this is, yeah. this is what I love. I thrive on this. Me too. Too. yeah yeah feeling <sighs> feeling heard and like capturing moments like that mm-hmm. i think are, are is powerful yes uh because if anyone relates to it on any in any way massively yeah it can be powerful for them yeah and i i feel really good like the reason that i'm 90 percent instead of 100 mm-hmm. percent is because i channel my message through positivity mm-hmm. and i hold back the the thoughts of despair because yeah. they're useless to me yep. and I throw them away and don't even remember them yep. most of the time because I throw them away. Yep. So I just hold on to the positivity and I feel like it's really served me well through mm-hmm. some really shitty things. And I think that if people did something similar or found their own way to live in accordance with themselves, because yep. that's what it's all about for me. Yep. It's like, yeah, you'll have outliers on either side, but I feel like the core will choose positivity. Mm-hmm. And I know? think, I feel like the beginning of that is questioning everything, you know, Absolutely. And I am like my whole life, even as a pastor, I have been a person that wants to spur people to question things. Totally. The problem with me taking that side often is that I have no hope is that, uh, I don't see the positivity. Yeah. Because you, you are under no obligation to have hope. You don't have to. Yeah. No. And I think that in your, what I have profession, there was pressure to have that. And that must be horrible. And what I have hope in is this like conversations like what I have hope in is the now totally. And what I can do with the now and the the, uh, control is the wrong word, but the power of control could be the word, the the control I have of the now I saw this, these two circles the other day, it was like shit that matters is one circle and stuff you can control is the other circle Uh and they overlap and focus on the overlap. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm really in that kind of a space. Like there's so much shit that matters in our society, but most of it I can't control. Right. So if I can't, if I can't have any influence or control of it, it only causes me anxiety, depression, pain that I don't need to feel. So I try to just keep on the zone of what I can control. Yeah. I look at it so differently. Interesting. I think of it like, uh, having hope is, healthier for me yeah so find ways to have hope because it's healthier for me yeah and that's just a closed loop and i want people to have hope i want to have hope yeah but i like i but i'm a constant questioner but i truly believe that the only way that we actually have hope is if we have hope yeah you know if we don't have hope in our hearts that we can make it through we won't right if we don't want it as a people we won't make it and i'm the thing that i question is whether or not we want it Mm -hmm. because we can have it and if we don't want it, it's a great if, question. Like to me, honestly, if like, if humanity doesn't want so to survive, want it, right. maybe we shouldn't. Right. Agreed. Uh, maybe that's okay. Agreed. I think you need to want to exist in harmony mm-hmm. to really, I mean, you have to want it to do it mm-hmm. and you can't do it <laughs> unless you want it. Mm-hmm. So if we're not doing it, we will be destroyed. Exactly. Therefore, you know, like right. it's, I'm like, uh, and that's where I'm the like the grandfather continues. in the matrix. Yeah. Is the, here is, too, we will be destroyed. Right. <laughs> it's true. And the pain is what causes us then to want it. What is that noise? It sounds like an, Oh, it's a phone maybe vibrating. Is it your phone? I don't know. Nope. Maybe not. Is it your phone? Nope. Mine's off. Um, but anyways, it's that pain it might be my phone vibrating. Yes. I think it's my phone. Well, it's my phone. We've anyway. ruined it. We got to throw the whole thing away and do it again. Well, fuck it. Yeah. We'll start over. It's ruined. Let's start over. <laughs>
<laughs> Anyways, it's a cycle. Humanity yeah. and history were in this cycle. My therapist said it like this because I told him part of the reason I'm here is I want to get out of this cycle. And he looked yeah. at me and he goes, he goes, being in cycles is to be human. We have you have to he doesn't word it like this because he's a therapist, but this is what I heard. You have to realize that in every time you go around the cycle, you learn something new and there's yeah. progression there. And it must be okay to leave a cycle and get into mm-hmm. another one. And it's okay. Yeah. You know? Because you can't ever be out of a cycle completely. No. Like the waking and sleeping cycle of being alive yeah. is inescapable. Yeah. So you will be genetically and emotionally prepared for cycles. Yes. That's why stories feel good. Yep. Because they are cyclical in a way that is recognizable. That's yep. why Star Wars feels good in particular. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's cut it. We can keep going. God damn it. It's hard to stop, right? <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, Zach Gandra from Losing Our Religion podcast. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. I, I hope you continue you for to be a part me. of my little sci-fi family. I, let's keep talking about these things. Let's just cool. see what where uh, organic, where the juice takes us. Exactly. As, as our friend that's Dan that's exactly say. how I like to do it. Let's do it. Like, there's people, I feel like you're going to be someone that I'm going to crave talking Ditto. to yeah for sure and those are the people that i put on my show all the time because yeah. we're gonna chat it's gonna be awesome mm-hmm. other people might as well hear it yeah you know yes uh, and I, I love having movie watching projects with people yeah. to do that um so like like we should like hang out watch an episode of black mirror and then record a podcast about it let's do it cool <laughs> At least once. And if we hate it, we'll never do it again. Let's do it. But I would love to do that. And if we like it, maybe do more. Love it. Yeah. Done. I'm sold. Sweet. All right. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks, man. Love you. (laughs) Love you too. Love you too. (laughs) We can just keep it. It's like ping pong. (laughs) You can't leave an I love you hanging out. No, not at all. That's going to do it this week, my friends. Thank you so much for hanging with Zach and I. Uh, Yeah, I'm actually not sure what's coming up next week at this point. Because if memory serves correctly, I don't have any more podcasts recorded. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that I'm out. Uh, So I need to record more. And I have a whole bunch of stuff lined up to do. Doug is coming back to talk about uh, Babylon 5 Season 2. Andy will be on the show very soon to talk about uh, The Empire Strikes Back. I'm going to see Dark Tower. Uh, As long as plans don't fail me, I'm going to see that tomorrow with Sarah and Andy. And I'm Uh, you know as long as we feel like it we may record a podcast about that at some point in the future so uh yeah a lot of stuff coming i'm not sure what's going to be next but i'm very excited for it uh if you'd like to learn more about me and this podcast you can find that all at jessemercury.com including links to support the show through patreon or through paypal as well as information about my premium podcast that uh special supporters of this show have access to so yeah you can find it all at jessemercury.com and i'll also put some links in the show notes So anyway, I'm going to go back to my staycation here. We're going to go swimming. We're going to get sushi. It's going to be awesome. We're having an amazing time just chillaxing. So let's get out of here. Uh, Thank you for listening. Until next time, stay nerdy out there.